Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily with Andrew Hustler-Patterson and Michael Remus. Hey, what's up, everyone? Welcome to a game day edition of Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily. Andrew Patterson, Michael Remus with you. Um, big one tonight for the Winnipeg Jets against the New York Islanders. We heard Rick Bonus speak to his club after the uh, heroics of Connor Hellebuck at MSG a couple nights ago, saying they pull off a win tonight and come back 500 after not a great start with those losses against the Columbus Blue Jackets and New Jersey Devils. Six o'clock puck drop tonight. We're going to be all over it. Jamie Thomas is going to give us a bit of a lay of the land from Long Island coming up in about uh, 20, 25 minutes or so. We'll uh, then check in on the Winnipeg Jets from the mind of Marat Atesh of The Athletic. Looking forward to uh, getting Marat's take on what we've seen from the club as of late as well as, of course, the uh, big topic around the National Hockey League, the upcoming trade deadlines, the potential targets for the Winnipeg Jets, as well as everything happening around the league, the Western Conference, and in particular, the Central Division. Um, Scotty's continues out in Kamloops, and uh, I've been looking forward to today because today is the day off for the Kerry Anderson rink. And Coach Carruthers, our pal Reed Carruthers, who, of course, is the skip of our good friends at Princess Auto's Rink on the uh, Men's World Curling Tour. There we're getting ready for the Briar. We'll uh, talk Scotties and how things are going for Carrie and her squad, as well as everything happening out in Kamloops, as well as take a bit of a look ahead to the Briar a little bit later on today. So lots of Jets and NHL talk and a little curling later on as well. Listen, just before I bring Michael Remus in, I have to give a big thank you to the sponsors that make this program happen each and every day on Winnipeg Sports Talk. Led by Cool Bet Canada, Princess Auto, Little Brown Jug, Canadian Club, Culligan Water, Vita Health Fresh Market, Wallace & Wallace, Consolidated Supply, F Apparel, Manitoba Battery, the Nick & Nicky DQ Group, Boston Pizza, Royal Sports. And we'll get to a why not question of the day coming up as well for our friends over at Not Auto Corp at Waverly and McGilvery. Let's get Remus in here and get this show on the road. What's going on? Feeling good. Uh, we're going to finish up the road trip. Here tonight against the Islanders, but you're really feeling, um, you know, I'm looking at the calendar, Huss, and the trade deadline is like a week and a couple days away. So we're seeing more, um, what's it called when they're not playing for injury? We're seeing more not playing to be held over for the deadline. Trade-related reasons. Trade-related reasons, yes. Yes, we're seeing a lot of TRR. And, you know, (laughs) this is, (laughs) we're getting a silly season where every insider is going on and they got their... Stuff, uh, you know, insider trading on um, TSN yesterday, Pierre LeBron, Chris Johnston, Frank Cervalli's got his stuff out, and Elliot Friedman had a couple nuggets and 32 thoughts that were all really thirsty and just eagerly anticipating us as we count down to the deadline. Yeah, this is a good day. This is the the insiders are working OT right now. Um, And... I mean, listen, that's their job. They got to get some names out there, get some uh, get some intrigue, get some excitement heading into the 3rd of March. Um, but there really is a lot going on in the league. And, you know, something something that we should touch on right now, and I think it's a little more apparent, dude, with the uh, team out in the East, is a couple things and how different the situation is between the Eastern Conference and the Western Conference. First of all, we talked about playing the New York Rangers last game who are sixth in the Eastern Conference 
but would be first in the West. Um, the East is undoubtedly a stronger conference right now, at least in the standings. But the other thing about that is, is how many teams are still in the hunt for a playoff spot in the East? And listen, Columbus is done. The Habs are done. The Philadelphia Flyers are pretty much done after their loss last night. But I mean, you hear people in Ottawa, in Buffalo, in Detroit, all of these teams right now are very much in the mix for a playoff spot if they can get on a bit of a run right now. And it kind of seems right now that the sellers are coming from the Western Conference. And, you know, as you mentioned in some of that 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 roundup of the uh, the rumors from around, we've already seen St. Louis make a couple of significant trades, dealing Tarasenko, dealing Ryan O'Reilly. And now it sounds like Nashville, with Ryan Johansson in a walking boot out for the foreseeable future, he had surgery today, the Predators are now going to be a seller. So, I mean, when you look at the standings in the West, it's essentially nine teams playing for eight spots, and the Calgary Flames are the team on the outside looking in, four points back in the Minnesota Wild for eighth in the conference. And teams like Nashville, St. Louis... Vancouver, the next teams up, are sellers right now. Whereas in the East, the Florida Panthers are holding down this final wild card spot, one point back of the Islanders. Both of those teams have played 60 games. So you've got the Penguins, who played 56, the Red Wings, who played 56, just one and two points back, respectively. The Capitals are in trouble right now. They lost last night to Detroit, a huge win for the Red Wings. Um, and then the Buffalo Sabres, who lost, still have only played 55 games. So um, it, certainly I think it's probably, I mean, for a team like Nashville that you know is feeling that they're out, they've got some injuries, they could be a lot more active. Although the guy that I was talking about yesterday that I think many people in the chat would love to see the Winnipeg Jets get in on is Tanner Juneau. Uh, sounds like they are working on an extension on Juneau. But if he was to be available, I think certainly there'd be some interest in him. And uh, Mateus Ekholm as well, with a little bit of term left on his contract, another guy right now. So um, we'll see whether anything gets sorted out in the next week or so. But I'm not sure, Remo, that we're going to see Ottawa, Buffalo, Detroit be sellers right now. And that could squeeze the market and, frankly, increase demand and maybe what the sellers are able to ask for as we get closer to uh, the 3rd of March. Yeah, it might go down, right down to the wire. And uh, Nashville team, they just got the news. Ryan Johansson, he's out for the year. Um, having surgery, was spotted in a walking boot after the game yesterday. And Detroit, uh, Tyler Bertuzzi, uh, it sounds like he's being removed from the TSN trade bait list. Uh, Pierre Lebrun took him off. Um, so, you know, they're they're right in it. And it's amazing to see all these teams in it in the East. And as you mentioned, like the Rangers, third in the Metro, and they would be first in the in the entire West. You know, I didn't realize, you know, we didn't really, we're not really focused on the East here. And now that the Jets are, they're like, oh, wow, like uh, the West really not great. But I think that bodes well for the Jets and it being wide open and them having Hellbuck who can put up performances like they did yesterday makes you think they do have a chance and maybe they can acquire someone to help them get over, over the top. And I think Washington, you mentioned the team that's, um, I saw who was a Chris Johnson talking about uh, Dimitri Orlov. Teams are calling about him, and as they've kind of fallen off three and seven in their last ten, uh, they've lost their last five. 
Um, you know, they're, they've played more games than a lot of these teams catching up. Like Buffalo has only played 55. Washington's played 59. They're a team that could be a seller um, as well. So, yeah, we'll, we'll keep an eye on that as we got, well, it's February 22nd, and next Friday is the trade deadline. But I'm, I think we might see some stuff on the weekend. Usually happens pretty early, but with this logjam there, maybe teams are waiting as long as they can to figure out, hey, are we in or are we out? As far as the Jets goes, um, the uh, uh, Pierre LeBrun said on Insider Trading, the Jets have uh, continued to inquire on Meyer, but Carolina and New Jersey are the front runners. And, and Carolina is a fascinating team in that they, like the Winnipeg Jets, have a bunch of cap space. Can't say enough about the job that Don Waddell and Rod Brindamore have done in putting that team together. Um, and they have not been a team that has ever really been heavy into the rental market. Meyer's a little different. Um, you know, they would be able to afford him if they needed him, much like the Winnipeg Jets, if they, you know, acquired him and, you know, didn't have an extension but wanted to sign the qualifying offer for the $10 million and keep his rights for next season, they'd be able to do that. And I wouldn't at all be surprised if that is a team that, you know, does make that push. I mean, they've been so close the last few years. You know how ultra-competitive that Eastern Conference is in. The addition of a player like Meyer, considering that they've lost Max Pacioretty for a year, um, you know, would certainly be um, a possibility. And obviously there's been lots of smoke around the New Jersey Devils being one of the, the guys in there. One of the other players that has been mentioned, I know Ken was talking about this, it was Colton Pareko from the St. Louis Blues. I, I'm interested in your thoughts on Pareko. I mean, this is a guy that can certainly play, and I've got no issue. And I know the Winnipeg Jets like players with term, but when there's a lot of term with Colton Pareko. He's 29 years old right now, and his deal goes to the end of the 29-30 season. So you're essentially talking about buying up or acquiring a player that will play the entire length of this contract in his 30s. And I don't know. Me personally, I'm not as high on that sort of an option. I would almost like more of a stopgap. I think the Winnipeg Jets' entire roster is going to turn over probably a couple times, maybe before the end of that contract. And I'm thinking more in terms of the next year or two or a younger player if they were going to come in with term that you'd maybe have RFA rights that you could sign to an extension as opposed to Pareko. What do you think about that? Yeah, I'm hearing talk about the Jets acquiring defensemen with term, you know, people throwing out names like, how are they fitting a defenseman with term? Where spot are they going to play? Who is going to move out? That is my first question that I want to say when you say, okay, they're getting, they want to get Pareko. Who, who are they picking up? Which contract are you moving out? Because right now you don't have spots for all your guys. And I just don't see how you make how you make it work in terms of the Jets' salary structure. So, I mean, Cole Parikh, he's look, he's owed a lot of money for a long time, which I think, you know, is not ideal. They also have a lot of other guys who are owed a lot of money um, for a couple of years here. And I don't know, is someone going to take on Neil Pionk's contract or Nate Schmidt's? You know, you mentioned trading Brennan Dillon, which we did all summer. I was like, no, 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 you need Dillon because he's one of your few, you know, physical guys if we're going to use... You know, Nintendo Ice Hockey, he's one of your few fat guys. No offense to Brandon Dillon, I don't think he's he's fat, but he plays like that type of style. So I just don't know how you're going to fit. I don't know, like, who's looking to take on. I guess it, it, maybe St. Louis is like, look, instead of paying Pareko, 
you know, his contract for, you know, what is it, six more years? I think he's got a no trade also. Maybe well, they he play. He does. That's yeah, the maybe other they thing. play Pyong. And so he's got no trade. So why are we even talking about him? Like, why do we t- make fantasy trade proposals for guys who have no, no trade clauses? I don't understand. Well, I mean, it's not like it's 100% a no to Winnipeg. I mean, some players, it would be that. And I mean, oh, I believe Pareko is from, um, where is he? Yeah, he's a Canadian, Western Canadian guy. So maybe he'd be a little bit more likely to do that. The one thing I'll say about St. Louis is the guys that play in St. Louis seem to love St. Louis. So many of them stay there beyond their Great. career. Um, and I mean, the guys want a cup there. I, as I said, I don't know. That was a weird name I thought to be thrown out there. Not that he wouldn't help a team right now for sure, but everything that comes with Colton Pareko in particular, that what, six or seven more years uh, at six and a half million dollars. Uh, I'm not sure you'd be, uh, I'm not sure it'd be prudent, especially considering the situation that the Winnipeg Jets are in, you know, looking Well, forward. you I mean, you look at the, at the contracts now, like I think Dylan Sandberg are keeping him because he's a, on an entry-level deal and he's probably going to be cheap next year. And he's shown that he's a pretty good player. Uh, Dylan DeMello, again, he's pretty solid. Three million. You got him for two more years. Morrissey's not going anywhere. They're looking at trading Dylan Schmidt or Pionk. And I don't know if anyone's going to want to take on those guys and, we talked all summer about about trading one of them, and it never got done. So I don't, you know, when people say the Jets are looking at a defense, a veteran defensive with a term, they have so many of those. So I'm, I'm just not sure how you make the puzzle pieces, um, puzzle pieces fit there. Well, and, and the other thing is, and we're, this is actually maybe a good sort of segue into the way things are going to look tonight. Um, you know, who is that guy replacing? Well, he's probably replacing Dylan Sandberg yeah. in the lineup. Now, I know Logan Stanley went in last week, last game against the Rangers. And I, frankly, I thought for a guy that had been out for a while, I thought he acquitted himself quite well, made some nice blocks on the PK. Um, but Sandberg is back in tonight. And to be perfectly honest, Sandberg has been one of the better Jet defensemen over the past la- last little while. I mean, I think he's really, I think he's turning into a reliable, steady, everyday defenseman on the Winnipeg Jets that's even pushing into the category where you wouldn't call him a third-pair defenseman anymore. So uh, my goal, like if I'm Kevin Chevalier, my goal isn't to, you know, knock Dylan Sandberg off of that third pairing. To be honest with you, it might be to improve somewhere else uh, else. But when you think about how much difficulty the Winnipeg Jets have had scoring goals as of late, last game notwithstanding... Uh, the more I think about this, Reem, I think that, you know, some additions to that forward group, um, whether if you could get a top six player to, you know, play in, especially with Perfetti being out, I think that would be the number one target. And I think at a lesser cost, uh, a player that could come in and add a little bit of punch to the bottom six right now. I mean, that is where my priority would be, unless you could get a player like a Jacob Chikrin, a younger player with a little bit of term on his contract that might be there beyond the end of the contracts that you mentioned of a couple of the veterans that are with the club right now. Yeah, you know, especially with this Perfetti injury, we haven't touched on it. Like after the show yesterday, he was placed on IR. They called him Axel Janssen Fjallby on, on or three. It was probably it was like the end of the show. Anyways, yeah, doesn't matter. It was matter breaking when. news right we in the t- final yeah, five Yeah, we had so. live reaction at the end of the show yesterday. They called him Axel on emergency so look, you'll, we talked about their last, you know, twelve games. They've had trouble scoring three goals. Um, I, you know, I got to find the the note they put. But when they score three goals, they usually win with this goalie. So you got to find a way to replace Cole Perfetti's scoring. I mean, Adam Lowry has 
uh, what zero goals and how many games in the on the third line there? They need scoring depth. You know, uh, top six now missing Perfetti. We don't know how long it's going to be, and you. I think you need some depth scoring as well because you can't rely on those guys. So, um, you have the best goalie. Seems like their defense seems to be set. Maybe you get a, a UFA there at the bottom. Um, we'll see what happens. But I think you need probably need two forwards, and one of them you'd like to be a top six. But well, I mean, I don't know who's out there. They're going to acquire a name that we haven't even talked about, or it's going to be someone like uh, James Van Riemsdyk who's going to slot in. Uh, we will wait and see, but I think the need for scoring, definitely. You know, I thought it was already kind of priority, but even more now with this Perfetti injury, we don't know how long he is. Well, let's get to the game tonight. Why don't you uh, fire up the lines here for uh, this evening's game? It does look like Connor Hellebuck is going to be back in the net tonight for the Winnipeg Jets. No surprise there. Um, even though it's his third game in four nights, um, when you got a guy as hot as Helly was uh, against the New York Rangers, you keep him in the net. And uh, they had the day off yesterday. He'll be rested, ready to go tonight. And um, as far as the Jets' lines go, um, we're looking at, I believe, you got those, Reem? Yeah, right here. Yeah, here we are. Connor Shifley and Appleton and Ehlers, Dubois, and Wheeler. Um, and again, we could see Connor and Wheeler change up at uh, at a certain point in the game. Appleton move over onto the other side. Uh, or Connor play on the left side with Dubois, and Ehlers switch over to the other side. But a little bit of a different look there. Um, you know, it was nice to see Shifley and Dubois and Kyle Connor get on the board last game. The guy I'm looking for tonight, though, is Nikolai Ehlers, Reem. Um, you know, Ehlers hasn't been playing a ton. I mean, 12.50 in the last game, 12.41. Now, he was on the number one power play last game. Thing was that they were chasing the game so much and rarely had the puck that, I mean, they only got on the power play once. But you have to go all the way back to January 21st against the Ottawa Senators where Nikolai Ehlers has scored. That is 10 games. And you know, I was putting together some stuff for the guys at CoolBet, and we'll hit that on the lines a little later on. To me, this is a night where, um, man, if they could get some scoring pop from Nikolai Ehlers and get him to sort of get back in his groove, that would be one of the biggest things that could happen for the Winnipeg Jets going into a very important game against the Colorado Avalanche on Friday night. But before that, they'd love to come out of this game with two points and um, a 500 record on this quick four-game roadie. Yeah, Nikolai Ehlers in his last eight games, Huss, he's got... He got three points. Uh, you know, hasn't scored. The three assists. He's averaging 15 minutes. Uh, it's just 16 ice time, and he's had some pretty low ice time numbers uh, there. 12:41 last game. 14:40. I mean, you need him 17, 18 minutes. And I think look, they've moved. They rejigged the power play. They got him on power play one. He's playing. You like him having him with Dubois and Wheeler. You know, who's playing? You know, he's been playing on a mix of lines. Hasn't really been stable. I don't know how much the injuries affected him, but you need him to be a top scorer, especially now, you know, now the Perfetti's out. So I think him and Dubois Wheeler, I think that could be a nice fit there. And we'll look to see them tonight and Appleton going on to the top line and he played there earlier. Um, we'll see how it goes with uh, the Connor and Shafley pair. So they're kind of, you know, mixing things around and trying to get some scoring. Yeah, and we've seen that kind of over the course of the last few games. I mean, it just spe- specifically with Ehler, his last five games, the ice time has really dropped. I mean, in this 10-game stretch where he hasn't scored, he's gone 14-45, 18-04, 18-15, 17-07, 17-42, and then 
15-34, and under 13 minutes in the last two games. But I do sort of like this, you know, switching Connor to the Shifley line, specifically as far as getting Ehlers going. I think Wheeler, obviously we know that he can distribute playing with Pierre-Luc Dubois and Nikolai Ehlers, and I think Ehlers becomes maybe a little bit more of a trigger man. And um, when Ehlers is flying and shooting the puck, he makes things happen, and that's certainly something the Winnipeg Jets need. Uh, as far as the other two lines, it looks like it'll be Adam Lowry with Carson Kuhlman and Morgan Barron on the wings, and uh, Stanny in the middle of uh, Menelainen and Gagne. I will say this. I was a little surprised that Axel didn't get right back into the lineup. Um, he played some great hockey, was scoring. It seemed like he really benefited from that trip back to the Manitoba Moose. And uh, I thought maybe that he'd be out there, and lo and behold, he was the first guy out from the morning skate today. Uh, but sounds like he did some extra work and won't be uh, in the plan. And he'll be uh, doing a little press box duty with uh, with the Gus bus. Yeah, I don't know what uh, what their plan is for Axel, but... Look, he was the one who uh, picked on waivers, so you got to go last in. What what is it? Last in? I forget the terminology. Anyways, he was sent down, so obviously <laughs> they like the other guys ahead of him. So when he comes back, I mean, I don't make sense that they wouldn't put him right back in, even though we like his hair, we like the way he skates. But well, uh, Sam Gagne, listen, we need an enforcer in the lineup, and yes. uh, as we saw, Sam Gagne dropping the mitts last game, doing what he had to do to stay in the lineup, and. Uh, this need did have a game. So that's the way things are looking. And as we mentioned, um, and maybe we'll get to this quickly uh, just before we bring Jamie Thomas in. Um, Remo, uh, this would be uh, clip number three. Um, Rick Bonus said that, you know, they wanted to get Stanley in for a game, but it certainly wasn't because Dylan Sandberg wasn't doing his job or carrying his weight. And um, Dylan Sandberg is going to get the opportunity to come back into the lineup tonight after Stanley was in against Ra- the Rangers. Here's what Bones had to say on that. He's played really well. And again, he decided that he didn't deserve to sit up. But again, trying to keep everybody in as, as much as we can. Uh, but it, and the, the downside of that is they can't get into any rhythm. But you, again, you don't want anyone sitting too long. Kyle is the guy that's been able to handle it. When he hasn't played in a month and he goes in, he plays really well. Uh, he's handled that whole that whole thing really, really well. All right, so uh, some credit for Kyle Capobianco when he has been playing. Uh, but Dylan Sandberg back in. He'll be with Nate Schmidt tonight. Uh, Dylan DeMello and uh, obviously, uh, or sorry, uh, Pionk, of course, and uh, Josh Morrissey up at the top of the, uh, the jet defense chart. All right, Jamie Thomas is going to join us from NYC. Coming up in just a second. Uh, before we do that, folks, it's freezing right now. We've got the extreme cold warning. If you need a battery for the car <laughs> or your truck or even that summer toy you're working on in the winter, Manitoba Battery is the most convenient and well-priced option in the city, and you'll be supporting local. You can put the order in for the battery at lunchtime or right now, in fact, and have that sucker sitting on your doorstep for two in two to four hours for less money than you'd spend anywhere else in Winnipeg on the same battery. It's that simple. Order a battery today before 1.30 or 2 and have it in the city on your doorstep by the end of the workday. Basically, the Amazon of batteries here in Winnipeg. No fighting for a parking spot at Costco. No waiting line in Canadian Tire. And no more spending money on a battery at the big box stores. Let Manitoba Battery bring the battery to you. While you spend time on more important things, make the phone call or order online at manitobabattery.com. It's that simple, my friends. Let Manitoba Battery simplify your life. 
Um, big congratulations to our latest Unsung Hero winner announced yesterday. Uh, continuing to welcome in nominations for that special person in your community. It's going the extra mile to brighten the lives of others through charity work, volunteering, and more. Let us know about that person. Unsung Hero at WinnipegSportsTalk.com is the email that we'd like you to send in and tell us about that person. The Winnipeg Sports Talk listener who nominates the Unsung Hero will have a $500 donation from Wallace & Wallace made in their name to the Dream Factory. Josh and Margot Morrissey are going to match that. And our unsung hero will get an autographed jersey from Jets All-Star defenseman Josh Morrissey. Again, the email. Let us know about that person in your life, in your community, making a difference. Unsung hero at WinnipegSportsTalk.com. Listen, it's colder than hell outside right now. I guess hell's quite warm. That's probably a bad way of putting it. But uh, you know what I'm saying. But sooner or later... The snow's going to melt, and we'll be getting ready to enjoy summer and everything that goes with us. The gang over at Consolidated Supply are already getting ready for golf season. You know, Gino's working on those club cars and golf carts for the province as the exclusive club car dealer. Irrigation systems, artificial turf as well, not just for golf courses, but for your home as well. And while you're thinking of maybe adding to your backyard or beautifying it or adding more to it how about a beautiful outdoor kitchen or a spa or hot tub spicy joe and the gang can help you with that as well pop down and see them consolidated supply 1395 niaqua road east open to the public or better yet don't even leave the house right now find out more about what consolidated supply can do for you by checking out their beautifully re renovated website at cte.ca and just before we bring JT on from Long Island, if you're looking for great prices on natural and organic supplements, beauty products, and groceries, hit one of seven Vita Health Fresh Market stores or online at myvita.ca. February is heart month, gang. It's crucial to support this vital organ with omega-3 fatty acids. We can't always get enough in our diet, so supplement with RX Omega-3 fish oil by Natural Factors. It helps support cardiovascular health, cognitive function, eye health and helps with joint pain and flexibility and it's on sale today at vita health vita health fresh market empowering people to lead healthy lives seven winnipeg locations including the newest store in linden ridge and online at myvita.ca all right big one for the jets as they try to come home with four points on this four game road trip six o'clock puck drop against the new york islanders and jamie thomas who you will hear tonight as part of the Jets broadcast, along with Paul Edmonds on 680 CGOB Jets Radio, joins us now. JT, how's the road treating you? How's NYC? <laughs> it was great. Uh, anytime you can like stay in the same hotel for five nights on the road, I'm going to take it. And listen, Kevin and Sawyer and I were just talking about how great the shower was. The the water that came out of the shower head. It, fill, it could fill a bathtub in like five minutes. Like I could have a shower in 30 seconds, which is what I'm all about, but it's the best shower I've ever been in any, any time in my life, best shower I've ever had. So the road has been spectacular just based on the shower alone. Elite so, water pressure for the, uh, for the elite traveling water pressure. Thank you. <laughs> for the, That's the because of all those read those commercial reads you do. Boss. That's why <laughs> you're so good at describing things. Elite water pressure at the Conrad downtown. 
period. I'll tell you what, the Winnipeg Jets got it. You needed the elite water pressure. The Winnipeg Jets needed some elite yeah. goaltending. Just before we talk about tonight, how about the show that yeah. Ellie put on at MSG? <laughs> it, was, it was like, it was so ridiculous. Like, you're just watching it, and I'm like, some nights when you watch a goaltender, you're like, there's, there's no, like, Corpus Allo in Columbus in the first game of the road trip, like, they're never beating him. That's just all that felt like after that one goal went in. You thought it was going to be a blowout um, against the Blue Jackets. Not the case. Second period, you're like, oh, my gosh, they're, they're going to get goalied. So it's only fitting that they goalied the New York Rangers. And I, I go back to last year. The two games the Jets played against the Rangers, Shesterkin goalied them both times. So Connor Hellebuck has done that to the Rangers both meetings this year. But in particular at MSG, that building was like – I was talking to Dylan DeMello, and he said during the National Anthem, all the yelling, he said he was so jacked up because it was just so loud in there. The atmosphere was fantastic. And so for Connor Hellebuck to put the performance on the way he did, as Paul Edmonds said in his report today, it was Tony Award-winning uh, caliber. <laughs> um, he, he, he was unbelievable. And I, and I think the Rangers were starting to get so frustrated in the third period. They were just throwing pucks from anywhere hoping that something was going to get by him. And that save that he made on Chris Kreider on the power play with the glove was just, it, it's again, I don't, we can't abuse the word elite enough. It was just an elite save. And you can't tell me he's not thinking, okay, there's a guy that took my Vesna trophy away at the other end. So I'm going to work on this to take it back. Also mentioned by Paul Edmonds. So it's, it was, it was fantastic in that 20 save first period. I think anybody was wondering, oh, I don't know if they should have started him on the second straight night. Well, there's your answer. And Rick Bonus, they need they need wins now. Connor Hellebuck gave him that win, um, and he was just simply spectacular. You know what? Let's talk a bit about Bones uh, and the way he spoke after the game. Um, yeah. Earlier in the season, there had been a thing that I've, I've loved. I mean, the frank honesty of Rick Bonus, and you know, he's not saying anything to us and to you guys that he's not saying to his team first. Um, but there yeah. have been times where the team was outplayed or dominated on the shot clock, whatever. Rick was pretty blunt about how he felt about the game. We didn't get that coming out of the game against the Rangers. And I think part of it was he was feeling just how important it was for his team to get a bit of a good feeling around them because it hadn't been a great stretch yeah. for the Jets compared to where it had been before. And I do think despite what happened on the shot clock and how much they needed to lean on their goalie, there were some things that were important good signs for the Winnipeg Jets. First of all, they scored some goals. Um, you know, Kyle Connor, yeah. Mark Shafley, Pierre-Luc Dubois, there'd been a bit, a bit of a power outage lately, and they made the most of their opportunities on a world-class goaltender. So that was huge. But you mentioned Dylan DeMello. DeMello, mm -hmm. Brendan Dillon, Sam Gagne, who dropped the gloves. I mean, I think yeah. there was a lot more passion and energy from, that, from the team coming out, which was in stark contrast to the way they sort of hit the skids in the third period against New Jersey. I mean, you were there right now. You were there. How did you yeah. think that the team handled the game? Well, obviously they knew that Connor Hellebuck was the first, maybe second and third star of the game, but are they yeah. a little closer to getting out of a bit of a rut coming into a huge game tonight against the Islanders? I, I think so. And when you go going back to what you said about Rick Bonus's comments after the Rangers game, I you know today, and I'll get to that in a second. I don't think you can sit there and say, "Oh, we weren't very good in our own end after you win a hockey game of that magnitude that you had to that you had to absolutely have." What he wanted and what he got out of the players was more passion, some more urgency. And I love the fact that he's and he's already said this to before. What more incentive do you need 
then you may, you missed the playoffs last year. You should, you know, you don't need any more incentive than that throughout that. That's what they should be going back to anytime. They're like, Oh, I don't know if I've got it tonight. Well, missing the playoffs last year was a pretty good indication of something that should push you to be better. And they were, I'm sure the crowd played a role in it. Huss, you're in New York. It's an MSG and those, the energy levels had to be there, but they responded. And th- those first two goals from Pierre-Luc Dubois and Mark Shifley, that's players going to the net. They had not been going to the net previously. So Pierre-Luc Dubois, yes, I know he's going through Igor Shosturkin's sight lines and that shot from Josh Morrissey hits him and goes in, but he's still at the net. And then both Neil Pionk and, and Mark Shifley go to the net. When Kyle Connor shoots that puck, it trickles under Igor Shosturkin and there's Shifley to slam in the rebound. You have to go to those areas in games like this or at this time of year. And they did do that. So yeah, they gave up a lot of great a scoring opportunities. I looked at natural stat trick. It was 14 high danger scoring chances that the Rangers had. Um, the jets may see it differently, but Rick bonus saying their defensive zone coverage still had a lot of holes in it. And the Rangers let's, I mean, you have to give some credit to the Rangers. The Rangers are so elite and so fast and they are the top, one of the top teams in the NHL. No question about that. Outside of the scoring chance they gave up, those second and third chances weren't there. And Mason Appleton said that today. Yeah, we gave up the chances, but we did a good job clearing up the chances after the chances was one of my favorite things that he said today. So that if you're going to – Connor Hellbuck's going to make that save, yes, but you have to make sure there's not a second and third chance. The Jets did a fantastic job of taking that away. There was a high shot volume, yes, but the Jets defended the right way and got timely goals and doing it the right way by going to the net and playing with passion and some urgency. And with the Islanders not being as elite as the New York Rangers, it's going to be a little bit more of a grind here tonight. So the Jets will have to play with that emotional level from the drop of the puck till the end of the game because the Islanders aren't going away easily considering that their playoff lives are on the line well, night after it, night. Exactly. I mean, you know, the Jets, and I think Rick Bonus would like his team to play with a little bit of urgency or maybe a lot of urgency and a lot of desperation, um, you know that Lane Lambert's Islanders are going to be in that case. I, mean, I watched that game against the Pittsburgh Penguins last Friday where they were down two goals on a couple of occasions and they were absolutely relentless in coming back and ended up getting mm-hmm. a massive win to keep them in. And you know, we were sort of breaking down the West compared to the East. And the West is weird. I mean, it's kind of nine teams playing for eight spots right now with Nashville, Ryan Johansson yeah. out, and it's apparently being sellers. We know what's happened with St. Louis. It's a very different story in the East, and every single point is so crucial. The Winnipeg Jets are going to, first and foremost, right out of the gate tonight, have to manage that commitment, that passion, and that level of urgency that you have to assume that the Islanders are going to bring tonight. Yeah, and I, I think that that's no question about that, or else you're gonna get blown out of this arena, regardless of they don't have if they don't they don't have the scoring power that the Rangers do. But if you don't match that, the Islanders are just gonna work off that alone. And Ilya Sorokin starts again tonight. You got another grade eight class goaltender going up against two. So you're that same thing. You're gonna have to go to the net. You're gonna have to take away his eyes. It's not fun to go to the front of the net. And that's unfortunately what you have to do this time of year if you want to score goals. And the, you just Rick Bonus has to look and say, okay, you did it, but now you're going to do it again and again and again. So you can't have these nights in and nights out. Um, we we shouldn't take away how well they played against Columbus, right? They Columbus didn't even belong in the same ice surface as the Jets for for the majority of that game. They just got great goaltending from Jonas Corposalo. But you you got the you got the 
you have Colorado on Friday. You've got the Islanders again Sunday. You've got the Los Angeles Kings are pushing for first place in the Pacific Division. Like this schedule in February, it's a good thing they had a lot of it off because this is a pretty daunting schedule in front of them. So the the fact that they're going to have to bring this this intensity level and this passion, this urgency night after night, it's just you look at the other blueprint from what you had from the Rangers game. You got to play that way, and I, I think this group has it in them. Um, there's, you know, you, you welcome back Dylan Sandberg in the lineup. I thought Logan Stanley played very well there. You do some tinkering on your third line. You bring Carson Kuhlman back up there and get some more speed, uh, back in that line. That, that has that line to me. I've never seen Adam Lowry's line have a, as tough a time as they did against the Rangers. I think there was 11, zero scoring chances for and against. So maybe that's why Carson Kuhlman's back on that line. But, um, I still love Sam Gagne's game. You're going to drop the gloves to get the uh, the, the, the passion going. Sure, you, you, I'll take that night in and night out. But so a couple of little bit of tinkers here and there. The Jets know they got to defend a lot better in their, in their zone tonight and play with that same passion. That should be the blueprint. Well, I mean, you know, listen, we've talked before. I mean, it's been a long time since Adam Lowry scored a goal. That third line and that depth score yeah. has sort of dried up a little bit, and they certainly would like to see that um, that change. As far as the top six goes, I mean, it wasn't just the depth scoring. The team hadn't been scoring very many goals. The bottom line is, you look at the numbers. When the Jets score three goals, they win. I mean, that pretty much yeah. is the equation right now. And listen, they got four, Connor, Shifley, Dubois. The one guy that has been somewhat snake bit in the top six or hasn't been getting chances has been Nikolai Ehlers. And we were talking about his mm-hmm. ice times come down a little bit. Part of it was, you know, certainly special teams related. The Jets have been killing lots of penalties. And then for a time, he wasn't on that top power play unit. Well, he was back there. They scored against the Rangers. But considering how much the Rangers had the puck on Monday night, they weren't yeah. able to draw any others. We've seen a little tweak yeah. with these lines tonight. And Ehlers is going to be playing with Dubois and Wheeler. And... I have to admit, Jamie, I'm kind of thinking, and I think this is part of really trying to get Nikolai Ehlers maybe into more of a prominent scoring role um, and maybe being more of a trigger man on that. What do you make of the struggles that he's had as of late and the opportunity playing on this new look line with Wheeler and Dubois this evening? Well, I think part of Ehlers' issue, Huss, was when he was on the power play, knowing he'd roll off off the half wall, come up, he was missing the net. And you can't have that. And I know he Ehlers wasn't the only guy that was having a tough time finding the net on the For power sure. play. But when but when he gets those opportunities, he's got to make sure to hit the net flat out. So I think that's what got him in a little bit of trouble with the coaching staff in that aspect. Now I think where Ehlers is with Dubois and Wheeler is almost similar to what with Cole Perfetti. You've got two big bodies that are going to draw a lot of attention. It's going to free up some space for Ehlers to get those scoring opportunities. I think it's just a matter of time before he gets going again. There's there's no question about his ability to to shoot. He's just got to make sure he finds the space to do so. And I found I felt he had some of that passion and some of that um, aggressiveness when he was getting a cross check in the back from uh, Smith from the the Devils the other night. I don't felt he should have turned around and yelled at Smith and should have kept staying on the puck in the corner. But I think Ehlers has that uh, animosity in him where he'll play with that passion, that anger. Um, that helps him out. So he he had a lot of that too. He was in a lot of the scrums with the Rangers as well. I like when Ehlers has got that bite to his game because there's that little extra gear that he, you find with him. And he was flying against the Rangers the other night. And I don't see why he's not going to do that again. I like this line. I like this match match or this line trio. I like Mason Appleton with Mark Shifley and Kyle Connor. 
you know, a guy that's going to get the puck and Appleton's starting to get his game legs underneath him. He's looking more confident. So I think you have a very interesting top six right now. But to your point a little bit earlier, those the, the, the bottom six has got to start scoring here right away because I, I love the fact that Shifley, Dubois, and Connor all scored the other night. But a game like this and a game against the Islanders that defend a little bit better, uh, not as much as keeping the puck away, it's not a game of keep away, you're going to need those gritty goals. And I, I remember that game in Philadelphia, the Jets won there for the first time, what, uh, 10 years or something. That was that bottom six forward group. Carson Kuhlman got the game-winning goal. You're going to need that again tonight. And, I mean, Kevin Stanley should have had a goal uh, in Columbus, but his stick oh, snaps. So, like, that was uh, unbelievable. Like, I mean, <laughs> it was Kevin Hayes 2.0, man. It's like just like it was Kevin Hayes against the Blues in game five on home ice <laughs> where his own stick keeps the puck out. That's just ridiculous. And I asked Kevin about it. Has that ever happened to you before? And remember when he did it, he stood there for a second. He said, I was shocked. He was stunned. I had the easiest goal of my life. He was totally, he said, I was stunned that my stick broke. So the bottom six almost got a goal there, but these goal, these guys got to start chipping in here a little bit. And that's like captain obvious 2.0. But at some point, these guys got to start putting the puck in the net. Well, and, and listen, I mean, we don't need to be sports psychologists. Anyone paying attention to what's happening in the National Hockey League and knowing what's coming a week from Friday is that trade deadline. Yeah. And I would imagine internally within the room, regardless of what line you're on, where you are, you realize that now is the time to really step up the game to make sure that you've got your yeah. spot once that deadline is. Do you notice that? I mean, is that uh, – I mean, again – Obviously, it's probably more you conversations between players. Yeah. Um, but you, you, it is interesting considering the struggles that certain players or units have had. You know that that deadline is around, and I mean, it can't be. Um, it can't be the calmest time, I'd imagine, in between the ears of a lot of players that maybe are looking for something to go right. If, if I had to guess anything, it would be the younger guys in some ways, right? Because I, I feel like if you're a veteran player, you feel like you're part of the solution, not part of the problem at that point. And you'd be like, they're not moving me. Um, that would be my guess. And you've been around, you know, these guys, us, like there's nobody, they're not going to admit to anything. Is there genuine excitement maybe because they're in a different place and they could add a piece or two? I think if you're if you're the players in that dressing room, you would naturally be excited about the opportunity of adding another some more talent to the room or another defenseman that could do this or that, right? And to make your team better, that, that would be the natural thing. But I don't know if you're sitting there going, who's not going to be here? Uh, who Who's on their way out? I think you'd be sitting there going, is it it's going to be draft picks or prospects at this point? So I, I don't know. I, I just, I've been around for a lot of trade deadlines with this group now and nobody leans on that lets in on anything, but this year much better than last year because you're sitting there going, okay, we're in a good position right now. And it's just going to be adding, not taking away stuff. And we're not looking towards next year. We're looking towards in a couple of months. No, I, you're exactly right. I mean, um, there is a lot of um, intrigue around the Winnipeg Jets and, and the entire mm -hmm. National Hockey League right now. And we were sort of breaking it down, Jamie, in that, listen, the Calgary Flames have struggled as of late. They're four points back in the Minnesota Wild for that final spot in the playoffs. And, I mean, the Jets, listen, they got to get some points and they got to continue to maintain their spot right now. But it's a very different scenario than in the East where there is a huge clump of teams. And and to be honest, I can't remember a season where there was as many teams in one of the conferences seemingly still in it at this point with, yeah. you know, essentially a quarter of the season left to go. 
Um, but I think it does two things. First of all, I think if you're a seller right now, it's a great time to be in that spot, although you'd rather be in the playoffs and you'd rather be there. Yeah. Because yes. a bunch of those teams, like a Detroit or an Ottawa, um, you know, the Buffalo Sabres, who traditionally may have been looking to add a little bit more for the future, still legitimately feel like they've got a shot. And, um, you know, over on the, the west side of things, I mean, there's really one team, as I said, nine teams playing for eight spots. If you kind of yeah. assume that the Nashville Predators are going to be sellers, and now they've lost Ryan Johansson for the rest of the year. Um, but you cannot get complacent. And I'm not suggesting the Jets have been, but that level, uh, level of urgency and, and, and passion and energy that has been lacking a little bit seemingly is the thing that Rick Bonus wants to see the most from his club as a team, but also as individuals. And they absolutely need that against a team like the Islanders. You pretty much know what you're going to get every time you face off against Lou Lamorello's squad. Right. And with, with the Islanders too, Haas, like this year, like you've got the Detroit Red Wings, you've got the Ottawa Senators, you've got the Buffalo Sabres. You have three long-suffering fan bases. And Detroit has a brand new building. So I don't think the those three teams are looking to sell at all. I don't know if they'll add, but they're not going to be taking things apart. So the, the East is going to be a gong show for the last month and a half, two months of the regular season because these guys all fighting, especially with those three wild cards in there because they're the the – management and ownership want some type of excitement going on because they haven't had anything. Sure. Uh, Buffalo losing six, three to Toronto on home ice last night, probably didn't help things being down four nothing early, but Buffalo is still a long ways away from, I think they're not, I don't think they're going to be ever be a team's going to be adding, but they're well, going to make things real hard for teams hand. down the stretch. They've got five games right. in hand on the Islanders and the Panthers right now. And that, that discrepancy yeah. between number of games played is, is so key, yeah. and I think every general manager knows that, and even if you're a team that is a few points back but has five games in hand. Yeah. I mean, the teams that are in the playoffs have are seven games above 500. There's teams that are out of it at three, four, and five. I mean, if you extrapolate yes. it to points per game, it is as close as it's maybe ever been in the last 10 years amongst that six to 10 spot in the East. Yeah, it, it's... And that, like, I know a lot of people are looking at it going, okay, well, the East is so much better than the West. That doesn't mean anything when you get into June because you're you got three rounds of Eastern conference teams beating the crap out of each other. Like that, that's, that's just the way it is. You know, you can't, you can't base your team right now and go, okay, we got to make this piece to be able to compete in the Stanley Cup final. Well, dude, you got to get there first. So how about yeah. you worry about your own conference? Let's not talk about, Oh, if we run into so-and-so in the, in the Stanley Cup final, we have no chance. Let's not talk about that. You have to get through three rounds. And so do those other teams, the other team in the other conference. So focus on your conference and worry about the issues in your own room right now. And with the Jets, they, they, they need to worry about game-to-game -game situations and the different type of opponent that they have. Tonight is going to be a grind. And that's where the, the patience part of their game is going to have to play into it. It's not going to be easy tonight. The Islanders have great goaltending. So if you're down by one, you can't give up, you know, defense for offense because, you know, that's what's going to happen the other way in the other net. And the same, on the other side of things, you got to keep pushing because Sorokin and getting to the front of the net, and it's not going to be fun. You're going to get hurt. You're going to get cross-checked. But that's just the way it is in a game like this. So I think that message is, is finally set, setting in because of the – where they are and how they're trying to fight off Colorado's and Minnesota wins again last night. You know, Dallas is kind of slipping a little bit. Dallas is playing tonight. So it's just like night after night, it, it, it must be a lot of stress right now 
to be in the Winnipeg Jets dressing room because there's something on the line every night right now, unlike there was early in the year where you're you're working your way up. It's you want you go on long win streaks, things look a little bit easier. It's not going to be easy anymore. And I think that message is finally sinking in from Rick Bonus and the coaching staff. I think we're in for a pretty good one tonight with the Islanders. This will be a playoff-style game, in my opinion. Well, certainly. I mean, I think this entire next week, I mean, two games against a desperate uh, Islander team with a home game against the Avalanche and then the Kings on the other side of it. I mean, um, these games... Home and home with the Oilers? Like, come on. Well, (laughs) on deadline day. I mean, that's the thing. I mean, the deadline is the third. The the Jets are in Edmonton, and then right back here 22 hours later... The same team's going at it. So uh, no shortage of topics and things for you and uh, Paul to be talking about tonight on the broadcast. And I'm actually looking forward to it. We got a chance to talk today. I'll be jumping on the pregame with Kelly and the guys and Trevor Kidd and then turning it over to you guys. So uh, we got the big guns out for a big game tonight, JT. Thanks for for joining us. Say hi to Paulie. Have a great broadcast tonight. And uh, hopefully we're talking about a 500 road trip after the third period ends tonight. One question before I go. Have you stopped wearing red since the Super Bowl? A little bit, but uh, let's just say I'm still mixing a few in right now. It's uh, I'll, I'll and, be putting my blue got, one for the hockey game tonight. What, one quick one before I go. I don't. Patrick Mahomes talked about they said we were rebuilding. I'm like, obviously he was hammered because no one said the Chiefs were rebuilding at any point during the season. You See were later, one buddy. of those people, you and Bart Scott, writing them off after they <laughs> traded Tyreek Hill. It was over. We'll see what they're made of now. Well, we just saw it. It was, it was a pretty fun run. Can't wait okay. for it. Listen, you have a good one, man. We'll talk to you, uh, we'll talk to you uh, when you get back to the peg. Travel safe and enjoy this one tonight. Okay, buddy. See you later. <laughs> good stuff. There's Jamie Thomas. He and Paul Edmonds will have the call tonight on 680 CGOB, and as I mentioned, uh, looking forward to chopping it up with Trevor Kidd and Kelly Moore on the pregame show around 4 p.m. tonight. So uh, check that one out if you're around the radio. All right, Maratesh is coming up next in just a minute. Um, speaking of, Jamie was asking me if I haven't stopped wearing red. The red might settle down a little bit. However, I'm going to pop by Royal Sports and get some of the Super Bowl championship gear. Any Chiefs fans out there, if you're looking to find it, as always, Royal Sports is the place with the latest, newest, and best best gear for your favorite team, especially if they've just won a championship. All that Chiefs Super Bowl gear coming in by the day at Royal Sports. And while you're there, for you Jet fans, you can check out thousands of pieces of Winnipeg Jets merchandise, including tons of exclusives as well as an incredible selection of Blue Bomber gear, not to mention teams from around the NFL, a huge NHL section, Major League Baseball with Jay's season just around the corner, Raptors, NBA, World Soccer, and more. And, of course, snowboards getting ready for spring break if you need to up your gear before a spring trip. And the best hockey selection in town. One stop is all you need for everything when it comes to sports and sports gear. Royal Sports, 750 Pemina Highway. And, of course, you can should follow them on Instagram at Royal Sports Pemina for the latest merchandise drops and sale information. Speaking of outfits, but a little different one, guys, if you need to uh, upgrade your menswear when it comes to uh, suits, shirts, pants, and more, F Apparel is the spot to get that done at the best price in town with the best-looking and best-fitting gear around. 
custom suits for men beginning at just $400. Golf pants, chinos, custom shirts made to be worn both tucked and untucked. And the best selection of men's accessories, ties, belts, shoes, and more. All there at F Apparel. And hey, if you're involved in a wedding party for next year, before you waste your money renting tuxes for the weekend, talk to the guys at F Apparel about custom suits for the entire wedding party. And we'll hook you up with a 15% discount on everybody's purchase over at F Apparel. And if you've got a 2023 grad in the family finishing up high school, get the young man a suit they can wear into the next stage of their life. Custom suits beginning at $400. And for every 2023 grad, they'll give you a free custom shirt and tie, a savings of about $150. 190 Smith Street downtown. And online, you can make an appointment at F, that's E-P-H-Apparel.com. And with this 6 o'clock puck drop tonight, I know it's been a little bit of cold. You might have been staying in lately. Maybe you get out, meet up with the gang down at your local Boston Pizza for Winnipeg Jets hockey on the big screen with big sound. Pick a player promos at most local Boston pizzas. Ice cold schooners, delicious Boston wings, gourmet pizzas, and more. No better place to watch Jets hockey than your local BP. And of course, if you are staying home because it's too cold, you can get Boston Pizza to come to you. Order online at bostonpizza.com. All right. I think, uh, did we lose Murad? Is he, uh, is he here, Marimo? Or? I'm just texting with him. He's having some troubleshooting with his um, microphone. Okay. So Okay, no problem. We'll uh, get I don't know if you want to play uh, Rick Bonus talking about Mason Appleton on the top line while we wait for him. Could that certainly... actually... That actually would be good. Why don't we uh, quickly hear? There's two, actually two quick clips I want to hear from Bones while we get Marat set up. Uh, first off, Appleton playing with Shifley and Kyle Connor. We were talking a little bit about Ehlers with Dubois and Wheeler tonight. Here's uh, Bones about Appleton riding shotgun with 55 and 81 this evening. He was good on that line. Um, he's, he's, he's reliable defensively. He's good on the boards in our zone, getting pucks out and making the right decision. Uh, he and Mark played together a lot early in the years when we lost Nick in game two. Uh, so try that again, and uh, no, that looked good. I was talking about guys getting back up to speed. What, what have you seen in his game that, that's shown you that he's getting back after missing yeah, so much time? Just the reads and the, the positioning. Uh, Decision-making with the puck is a little quicker. Um, all the things that come with playing and getting the reads and the timing down. But, uh, yeah, so his positioning all over the ice is much better. And again, they, when you don't play that long, and you're missing a lot of pra the practices we did have in the video sessions. Yeah, there's a lot to catch up on. The same as Logan Stanley. It's tough for him to, to throw him in there. He's missed a lot of time. And they, the only way you get your rhythm is to play a lot of games. And with Apple, it's, he, he's going to get that opportunity. With Logan, it's, you know, again, the other guys have played so well, it's tough to get him on a regular, a regular rotation. All right, so there's uh, Rick Bonus on that Mason Appleton. And uh Rumo, fire up uh, number five if you can, because um, you know, we saw Nikolai Ehlers return to the main power play unit, which scored. That was all we saw from the power play as the Jets were sort of chasing the game a little bit or chasing the puck for the most part in the New York Rangers on Monday night. Here's Bones on uh, the look of the second power play. 
yeah, there's a couple of different plays we're going to try to run with the down and in. Uh, you know, Wheels has been on that strong side his, most of his career, so Adam with the left-hand shots able to be able to make that down and in play to Sam in the slot. Uh, wheels shooting the puck, Sam's able to deflect it with the tip-in. Um, so this just gives us a couple different options. All right, so uh, Adam Lowry, Sam Gagne in on that second power play unit. And um, listen, I think it makes a lot of sense. You want to get Nikolai Ehlers more involved in that top power play unit. And Blake Wheeler uh, has been able to distribute on the power play very, very successfully through uh, the majority of his time here in Winnipeg. So Shifley, Dubois, Ehlers, Morrissey, Connor on PP1, Gagne and Lowry, Blake Wheeler, along with Neil Pionk, and Nate Schmidt on power play two. See if they get more than one opportunity to get on the power play tonight. All right, let's uh, try and welcome in Marat Atesh from The Athletic and uh, working on Marat's mic. Marat, can you hear me and can we hear you? I got you. You got me? Perfect, perfect. Sounding great. Great to have you on the program. You know, just before we talk about this game tonight, I would be remiss. I did the same thing with Jamie. Thoughts on Monday night and... uh, you know, your best players got to be your best players when you're in a bit of a funk, and uh, Connor Hellebuck was the man. 50 saves, head-to-head against Shesterkin. One of the great games of many that he's played as a Winnipeg Jet. It's just one for the ages. It's it's one for the pantheon of Connor Hellebuck performances. If you could build a museum and there would be an interactive room, you know, a whole series of them, this would go in the Connor Hellebuck Museum of performances over the ages. Put it up there with that Vegas performance earlier this year. Um, put it up with you know the Vezina Trophy and all of that. It deserves a it deserves a claim and applause. It's also fun because heading into the season, you can you can find people saying, "Hey, I don't know if Connor Hellebuck still has it," and you can find folks who you know would have put Igor Shesterkin uh, at a huge plateau above Hellebuck heading into it, and then you fast forward to that game and you know look which goaltender is is stealing it in another long line of excellent performances. He's the real deal. Even last year, if you dig into the goal saved above expectation, he was a solid guy then too. Um, you know, I I saw the Travis Yost post of him, Connor Hellebuck being in the carry price above the carry price of Jonathan Quick levels during the over the course of their career. And, you know, we've got to get to the point where we accept that as, as a fact of Winnipeg Jets goaltender. Well, and, and you know what? A credit to Bones for, I think, understanding the urgency of a result in that game and um, giving his team the best chance to win with Connor Hellebuck going on the second end of back-to-backs. And he's right back out there tonight. How could you not um, against what we expect, a desperate New York Islanders club that needs every single point on the table right now? It sets up a very interesting matchup for a Jet team that you know, had been having a tough time scoring goals. That was the one thing that came out of the game. While they didn't have a ton of chances, they sure did make the most of them against a world-class goalie like like Shesterkin with Dubois, Shifley, and Connor all getting on. Um, but I've got to ask you about Nikolai Ehlers. Ehlers was back on the number one power play unit, and they did score. Um, was back on a top six pairing as opposed to some of the lines that we'd seen over the last couple days. Um, but we've seen his ice time drop significantly over the last five games as opposed to the previous five. And he's gone 10 games without a goal, Murat. Um, 
what do you make of where Nikolai Ehlers is right now? What isn't working for a guy that is traditionally so effective when he's on the ice for Winnipeg? Well, we have to take him at his word. He says he's 100%, and so he's 100%. It's one of those situations, I think, with Ehlers. I do remember you and me were talking, you know, in advance of his return, you know, what to expect from him. And we went through the laundry list of, hey, you know, guys that have come back from this abdominal surgery have taken about half a year or longer to sort of get back to their top form. You can even look to, you know, a recent former Winnipeg Jet and Andrew Kopp who struggled to start the season in Detroit after a very similar surgery. Um, it may have even been done by the same person. Don't quote me on that. Um, it's uh, it's that sort of situation. But if Ehlers says he's 100%, okay, cool. We can see him play. He's still, you know, he's a fast player. He, he still plays jazz when everybody else is playing rock and roll. He's a little bit less predictable than everybody else. And I, I think that that's something... When he's on top of his game, the fact that Nikolai Ehlers plays things kind of his own way, his instincts take over, he's zigging and zagging and all of those sorts of things. When he's on top of his game, he is so good at all of that, that teams can't stop him. And those curls that he makes through like around the net and all that sort of stuff, they can't stop him. He creates offense no matter what. And even when he's maybe frustrating teammates or opponents or what have you by doing unexpected things sometimes and a play might die – you know, you can take it because he's been the team's single most efficient scorer at five on five. Nobody scores more points per shift than he does. So you can usually accept that when the offense goes. Well, now there's, a, you know, the questions come out and, you know, who has chemistry with Nikolai Ehlers and, you know, is he a little bit out of sync with the rest of the guys? And does Rick Bonus have an idealized spot for him in the lineup? And I think that those are fair questions to ask right now. I just have, I guess, a window of patience for the guy to to return to that level where he's so explosive that his sort of forays into unpredictable play are actually helping the team a lot more than than confusing it. Well, and, and uh, I'm with you on that. Um, at the same time, though, they need him, um, especially now with Cole Perfetti out of the lineup. And, you know, we're going to see a, a lineup that has Appleton, as we just heard from Rick Bonus, playing along with Mark Shifley and Kyle Connor, splitting up Dubois and Connor. And Blake Wheeler with Dubois and Nikolai Ehlers. And at first glance, I like that because I think what they need to do is get Nikolai Ehlers back in positions where he can be the trigger man and shooting the puck a little bit more. I think a goal would go a long way to really boost Ehlers' confidence and get him back to the player that we've seen so much. What, what do you make of those that tweak we've seen in the top six for tonight's tilt? Well, you know what? I haven't written this, but I really wish I had. I, I've been getting frustrated with that Connor Dubois duo of late. And, you know, maybe I've made a few allusions to uh, them struggling, and I, I have written that. But, you know, Rick Bonus's previous decision a few days ago where he said that those are some of the pairings he's always going to go to, Connor and Dubois, Shifley and Wheeler, that sort of thing. You know, watching those games of late and seeing Connor and Dubois in particular – Thankfully, they've found their offense, and hopefully that leads to a nice turnaround. They're phenomenal players. But I was thinking to myself, well, that might not be a duo that you have to go to every time in terms of shaking things up. So in addition to giving Ehlers an opportunity to be, you know, probably the primary puck transporter, Pierre-Luc Dubois, he can fly through the neutral zone too, and he's tough to stop physically when he's on his game. Um, but, you know, you can imagine the puck on his stick, and you can imagine him in some shooting positions more often with Dubois and Wheeler as as shown 
I like that. I think that Winnipeg needed a change in that particular regard. Connor and Shifley, I mean, their chemistry has gone back ages. Even when Ehlers, Shifley, and Wheeler were the most dominant version of that line, Shifley and Connor had something going. And Shifley really likes, I think, the spacing that Connor plays with. So, you know, I like that top six. One of the things that I notice now looking at that bottom six is, you know, with Lowry not on his first half form where he was, he came out of the gate so hot, it looks like a bit of a ghost town offensively in the bottom six, and that's going to need to change too. Well, and that is um, kind of something that we'll get to in just a second when we talk more about trade uh, trade targets and whatnot. Um, I just would quickly wanted to hit the blue line for a minute. Um, Logan Stanley came in, and I thought he was fine. I thought he had some big blocks on the PK, sort of did what they wanted to do. But I was a little surprised that Dylan Sandberg was out of the lineup because I'm not sure where you're at on this, but I think Sandberg is now, game after game, has grown into a very reliable, everyday NHL defenseman for the Winnipeg Jets. And the argument could be made that he's actually pushing into top four territory with this Winnipeg Jets as opposed to pushing closer to the press box. Um that being said, it was the second end of back-to-backs. I get that they want to get get him in. But um, what have you thought about Sandberg over the course of, you know, this last little while where the rest of the team hasn't maybe been at their best and they certainly haven't been scoring the way they have? Dylan Sandberg has been excellent. He's been well inside the top six in terms of best defenseman on the Winnipeg Jets. And most of the time, yeah, he's probably inside the top four as well in terms of how effective he's been. Um, for me, when I look at defensemen, just learning to establish themselves at the NHL level. You know, I I look at certain situations. The PK, I almost feel like can be a little bit more simple for them because more of their reads are in front of them. You know, there's less somebody sneaking in behind them backdoor. In terms of reading coverage, I think more of the game happens in front of a defenseman's eyes in that situation. Well, Dylan Sandberg has already passed that test and he's, he's succeeded quite a lot in terms of that. He's, out there, he's blocking shots. His positioning is excellent. He's getting sticks on pucks. He's doing all of those sorts of things. His metrics look good. You add the five-on-five five game to it. Okay, can he handle the bottom six competition that he's going to face slightly more often? Heck, yeah, he can. Can he handle that top six competition where guys are overlapping or a guy will curl high into the slot? Now there's a question of do you follow him or is there a switch? Is there somebody back door? All of those sorts of questions. Dylan Sandberg is ahead of... Logan Stanley in that regard. He's way ahead of Villa Hainala. The guys that um, the guys that were thought of as his competition heading into the season. The other thought, I always monologue. I just talk so much, but hey, that's that's I we guess why it. I'm here. This is exactly. Um, the the thing about Sandberg that I think starts to ask some interesting questions is that if he's playing well inside that top four, well inside that top six, and a guy like Logan Stanley, it's time for him to get back in the lineup. Well, doesn't this say a lot about the Winnipeg Jets coaching staff that they've made a decision that no matter what the performance is, the veteran top five guys, none of them are coming out of the lineup. Like we haven't seen that at any stage, even when, you know, Neil Pionk's first half of the season, he struggled for for large stretches of that. His metrics are certainly down. Rick Bonus has acknowledged that his play hasn't been that great. Um, You never saw him come out of the lineup or anything to that effect. I think he has signs of life in Pionk's game now. I like some offensive aggressiveness. I like some hits he's laying at the blue line, which I think show a little bit more confidence defending his own blue line with a little bit more, you know, a tighter gap. 
there are, there's are signs of life. I don't mean to pick on him, but there have been times when a guy like Dylan Sandberg has been above that level of play and we're not seeing veterans come out. And I think that the Jets coaching staff knows they're looking to those five guys, those veterans, those are the ones, you know, dance with the one you brung, right? Like those are the ones who are um, part of that core. And it's only this sixth spot that they're tweaking, even though Sandberg probably deserves better. Yeah, I, I would be surprised if that doesn't change getting closer to the playoffs or in the playoffs when the season is on the line but I certainly do agree with you on that however I'm glad that you brought up some signs of life of Neil Pionk because um, you know we've sort of been waiting for Pionk to to step up and uh, listen he can do things offensively Um, it's been more puck management and he certainly hasn't been the only one that has you know sometimes been uh, very off his game when it comes to making the simple play that the coaches want him to do. But I actually did see a lot of jump, especially in that New York game. I mean, a great, great pass that set up, I believe, the second goal, um, as well as a little bit more physicality. And, um, you know, while we kind of have dwelled on at times, you know, his struggles, which had been glaring at times, I'm not sure that he hasn't maybe showing signs of turning the corner. Is that fair? I mean, he's at least adding the good things that Neil Pionk does. So I'm not sure that his coverage has been flawless or that, you know, those those passes, you know, a couple of them are still going awry. But the good version, the the one that steps on steps up on Alexi Lafreniere and lays him out at the at the blue line because he's playing a tight gap and has confidence. You like that. That helps the team and the, the offense that he's been able to add of late. You like that. That helps the team as well. And you you can start to see the best version of him again. Um, I still obsess a little bit when, you know, I think he's moving well, uh, especially forwards. I still obsess a little bit on his lateral movement and his backward skating. And, you know, I am not the guy to, to trust on this 100% in terms of the mechanics. But sometimes when I see him try to push off that left foot, I, I just wonder if he's getting power over it. And I don't mean to add speculation because I don't really know here, okay? But, like, I sometimes wonder if something is ailing him in that particular regard as well, that's just limiting what he's capable of. So it's good to see him jumping up into the play, laying the body and all that sort of stuff. Um, the more, the better for sure. Well, we'll uh, get to uh, the, the forwards and the defense core as it pertains to uh, what the Jets might be targeting um, the 3rd of March. But just before we do that, um, we talked about Hellebuck's brilliant performance on Monday night. He's back in tonight and another hell of a goaltending matchup, Murat between uh, Sorokin, who's been a huge, huge part of any success the Islanders have had so far. I do wonder and want to ask you, um, how much will they run Hellebuck right now? I mean, it's going to be three games and four nights. you got the Colorado Avalanche coming in in a huge divisional game at home, and then an afternoon game against a desperate Islanders team, regardless of what happens tonight, um, in a scenario where he normally dominates and that would be afternoon games. I mean, considering where we're at in the season and the fact that he did go at eight game days without playing, considering those last two back-to-back starts of big save Dave, might this be the longest run we've seen Connor Hellebuck play in a while? I mean, it almost has to be. And that's with respect to David Riddick, who played well last week and, you know, he got a couple extra starts and, you know, he might've deserved better than one win and one loss in that, you know, when he got two in a row there, um, but when Connor Hallibuck shows up and he plays at the level that he did, stopping 50 of 51, and then you go back into, you know, a, a Vezina matchup against Ilya Sorokin and then the Colorado Avalanche in town and the abs are surging, uh, 
I think you have to go to Hellebuck unless catastrophe strikes and, you know, he has just a, an unhellebuck game or what have you. So I think that you have to go back to him for at least those. I size up that afternoon game the same way you do. He's probably in the coach's ear saying, I'm ready. I can go all that sort of stuff. And I would have no issue with it. I think as long as he is like, I'm a hot hand goal. I, I would ride the hot hand when it belongs to a perennial Vezina candidate. And in this case, Connor Hellebuck is that guy. Go for him uh, until he gives you any reason not to. Yeah. I mean, you look at the schedule. I mean, tonight, then it's every second night, basically. Well, with including the afternoon game, you finish up the weekend with a Tuesday night game against the LA Kings and then two days off and then back-to-back games against the Oilers. You would think that in all likelihood, Dave's going to get one of those two games, but it wouldn't surprise me if Hellebuck runs the table for the next little while and then they figure out which of those two games makes the most sense for Connor Hellebuck to play against Edmonton. Um, so that's the present, but every conversation we have right now Obviously, in the background is the trade deadline. I know you've just written about it at The Athletic talking about, and really this goes back to a conversation we had, I think, on this program last week when I was speculating, is Cole Perfetti an untouchable player? Now, things a little complicated now, I guess, the fact that he's back on the IR. And, you know, we were speaking yesterday with Mike, who is there in New York, and said that he wasn't sure that they weren't somewhat concerned about his status, and now he's on IR. Um but maybe let's start off with your piece in The Athletic about the conundrum of trading a talented young player with a bright future like a Perfetti in a big swing to make something happen now. Yeah, Not an easy uh, decision for the general manager. No, absolutely not. Um, and he's sort of symbolic, Cole Perfetti, is of the the difficult decisions facing Kevin Shevel Day off right now. Um you know, we know about 2024. We know pending UFA status for Connor Hellebuck, Blake Wheeler, Mark Scheifele. We know that Pierre-Luc Dubois could join them just by signing his qualifying offer this summer. And I don't think there's a ton of optimism. I don't feel a ton of optimism about Dubois being around long term. So there's pressure there. There's schedule pressure for this team to be good right here, right now. But if you look at how this window has played out, 2017-2018, they trade a first-round pick to add Paul Stastny. In 2017, leading into that to protect Toby Enstrom for that same um, for that same year, 2017-18, they switch first-round picks with Vegas. Nick Suzuki goes to Vegas. Christian Veselainen goes to Winnipeg at that draft eventually. Um, so now you've traded a first and prospect Eric Foley for Paul Stastny. The next year, you trade a first for Kevin Hayes. You get it back with Jacob Truba, but you could have had two if you didn't trade that original one. It goes on like this. So Winnipeg scouting staff builds Winnipeg's window to win the, you know, to win or to compete. But then they watch in 2018, 19, 20, um, 2018, 19, pardon me, and 20 to a certain degree, as so many draft picks are traded away in the name of other things. They finally luck out, get Cole Perfetti, Chaz Lucius sort of both drop to them. Um, Andrew Kopp returns a trade, sorry, returns a pick which thinks in New York's success turns into Brad Lambert, Rutger McGordy. You can start to think that the Jets' prospect pool is cooking a little bit when it looked barren for a little while there. And I haven't touched on the on the glut of left defensemen. That's, that's good to talk about too. And now you're going to trade one of them away that's already, you know, that's starting to have an impact, that's scoring like Brian Little did early on in his career, that's outpacing a Jack Roslovic, that's outpacing the other sorts of guys like that. 
I think Cole Perfetti is off the table, injury or no injury. I think he's absolutely off the table. But if you're going to make a pitch for Timo Meyer, well, then maybe Brad Lambert or Chaz Lucius or Rucker McGroarty along with a first. Or maybe it's Villa Hainel or Declan Chisholm. Or maybe it's Sandberg or Stanley that they're asking about. This is a quality group of young players that Winnipeg is going to be asked about. And Kevin Sheveldayoff has to look and think, well, hey, Timo Meyer might only be here for one year for like this stretch run and maybe next year, depending on what we need to do with that. Are we really going to mortgage the future that we're finally seeing again just for a player without term? That's a tough spot to be in. Well, it, Meyer in particular is interesting because, of course, he's not a UFA at the end of the year, but he's got a $10 million qualifying offer and only under one more year of team control. And I sort of struggle this going back and forth because, I mean, the onus is on a general manager to give your team the best chance to win. And if you're able to make a trade right now that involves Timo Meyer becoming a Winnipeg Jet, you're greatly increasing your chances of being competitive throughout the West and maybe getting through. That being said, and I know there's been a lot of talk that if Meyer was open to an extension, I mean, he's in a very good position right now. There's tons of suitors. I'm not sure he's saying, yeah, I'm in for an eight-year deal in Winnipeg as a condition of making this trade. So if you do that, there is the one other option that you make the trade, you worry about that later on, and much like they're going to be crossing a few bridges with important players on on the roster this offseason, you do the same thing with Meyer at that point. Because, Marat, the argument could be made that whatever the cost is to be given up right now to get Meyer for the rest of this run, if you are trading him to a team that he's willing to sign with long-term in the offseason, much of what you have to give away could potentially be recouped at that time. I agree with that. That's one of the more compelling scenarios. It takes... You know, it's easier for us to talk about and theorize than perhaps to do. It doesn't feel like a Winnipeg move, but it makes so much sense. I mean, is that not what happened with Matthew Kachuk this last summer, for example, as well? I'm not sure that the scenario is identical, but when a player is as good as Timo Meyer is, uh, when a player is, I think he's 26 years old, he's a power forward with speed, uh, he dominates flow of play metrics. He also scores at essentially a point per game. There is quality to this player. And if Winnipeg wants to, you know, trade him, trade for him, and then, you know, I've heard some theories that, like, why not trade for him and just don't sign his $10 million qualifying offer? Let him become a free agent. Um, maybe your price is less. If your price is heavy, why not consider the idea of a sign-in trade where you're exploring the idea of a long-term deal, but for the purposes of trading it, trading him for the, a maximum return to a team where he he would be happy. Because if I'm Timo Meyer and I've made it this far and I've got a $10 million qualifying offer this summer and all I have to do to become a free agent next summer is to sign that and accept 10 million bucks, like where in the world is the incentive to sign long-term for a team that you've just joined in a city that says minus 24 out there today, my ears hurt. <laughs> it's a tough sell. <laughs> I mean, kind of. I, I think so. If I, I, I mean, in, the best case scenario see. is you trade for the player. He comes in. The team has great success. He has great success with players like Nick Ehlers and Connor that will be here, you know, for sure beyond the next few seasons. Um, but again, I mean, I think that's somewhat unlikely, and I think that's part of why 
the focus has to be on right now. But it is important when we're talking about Meyer, and, and I really do think, I mean, the more we hear his name bandied about, how much Jersey wants him, how Carolina's got their eyes on him after losing Max Pacioretty and has a similar amount of cap space that the Winnipeg Jets have, that Mike Greer is in an amazing position when it comes to trading this player for what is going to come back. The cost is going to be steep. Um, but again, it's not just for this one playoff run because, as I said, if you have to move off of him, the Jets have the ability to qualify him to maintain those rights and then potentially trade him to another team if they have to go down that road. All that being said, I mean, Meyer is the, would be the best possible return. When you look at the Jets right now, one of the things that hasn't been happening, Monday notwithstanding, is them scoring goals. Um, and if you look at the Winnipeg Jets and their record, the bottom line is when the Jets score three goals, they win hockey games. Uh, as long as Connor Hellebuck's here, despite the issues that have been happening sometimes in their own end and with the defense core, that pretty much is the case. So when you look at that, and I've sort of come going back and forth on this. Before I thought that, man, if you could get another top flight, top four defenseman to come in and play on that other pair opposite Josh Morrissey, you really set yourself up for success. At least after watching this club for the last couple of weeks struggle to score goals, and now with Perfetti on the mend, and we don't know what his status is, I'm not sure that multiple priorities are up front in getting a player to fit in, in the top six, but also to get a player or maybe two that could come in and contribute in the bottom six because, as you mentioned, there is not a lot going on right now outside of the top six, and that's part of been the reason why I think Bonus had made those very unconventional lineup changes a couple of games ago that have now sort of gone back to a bit more traditional top heavy first two lines. Yeah. I mean, I'm of two minds on that. And, you know, to, to really have a strong opinion, I'd have to know exactly what the prices are for some of the more top six thought of players. But, you know, if you add a top six player, you know, so let's say you snap your fingers and Timo Meyer or whomever is, is in Winnipeg's top six. Well, then a top six or a second line player becomes a third line player and a third line player becomes a fourth line player. You know, Mason Appleton doesn't scare me as a top six winger, but on the third line or the fourth line, okay, well, he's, you know, he's has size and strength and he's willing to drive the net and things like that. Morgan Barron, same deal, third or fourth line. I'm like, okay, that's a, that's an overpowered player for that, that spot in the death chart. But if you're asking him to play, you know, any more than that, that's, that's trouble. Adam Lowry, when he's on uh, offensively, he, he can contribute there. But, you know, if you're able to add somebody else who can win faceoffs and you don't have to depend so exclusively on him, maybe you can you can supplement elsewhere or what have you. I think that the Jets forward-wise, though, I think that they would like, you know, somebody who's more of a bigger name, somebody who, who comes in and has a, a larger impact. That's why a guy like Meyer is everybody's, you know, you know dream acquisition. But if not him, perhaps, you know, a, a JVR type player, um, you know, a, a, an Adam Henrique type player, a little bit of size, a little bit of ability to play on the wing or at center in, in Henrique's case as well. Um, but then if the prices just don't work, then you've got to sort of start supplementing from the bottom up instead of from the top six forcing players down. I think that Winnipeg wants to make an impact because I think it sees that need in the top and middle six. Yeah, no, I agree with you. I mean, those are all great points. And the one thing that, you know, I it kind of became very apparent to me last night, you know, paying attention to more of the East this week as the Jets have been out there, 
But, you know, the Detroit Red Wings had a huge game, huge win against the Washington Capitals. The Buffalo Sabres got their butts kicked by the Leafs, but they still have five games in hand on the Islanders and Florida, who are both very desperate and I don't think will be selling because they're in that spot right now. Even the Ottawa Senators are within a real... Like, we haven't had this many teams with a legitimate shot of going on a bit of a run and making the playoffs. And I think what that's going to do, Marat, is potentially crank up the prices on a number of those sort of depth at depth roster players that the Jets have traditionally been in on because you've got a lot of teams that would like to add and you don't have as many teams that are basically clear-cut out of it that are already on the next year. I mean, what a scene the East is. Uh, what what point was it? Was it halfway through the season last year where you kind of knew exactly who the eight playoff teams in the Eastern Conference were going to be? Like, it was just on cruise control. Now that's a little bit different. And, you know, you can make the back-to-back case for Winnipeg. You can make the three and four nights case, depending on what happens tonight. The Eastern Conference's middle-tier teams look fast. They look aggressive. They look capable of some pretty dangerous things. And um, if that, if that serves to, you know, make more buyers, let's say, or if those teams, like you mentioned, kind of on the outside, but close think that they're, you know, that that adds some pressure to the market in terms of what people are willing to pay. I wonder, I mean, that's again, leading back to the ultimate conundrum. If you're Kevin Shovel day off is, well, the West is wide open. Probably the jets are good, not dominant. They're not rolling teams out of the building. And certainly they've had their struggles of late too. I mean, how much is that worth? I mean, the West is still wide open if you don't spend a first-round pick and a top prospect on somebody. Maybe you, you know, depending on what the Cole Perfetti health news and all that sort of stuff is, maybe you keep your powder dry and all that sort of stuff. I just can't see that in the end. Maybe they end up overpaying because I just can't see them looking at this year as a window and thinking to themselves, hey, Connor Hellebuck's a UFA in 2024. Well, we're going to hold on to our future. I mean, I, I think it's time. I think it's time for them, and I think well, that they know that pressure. Well, and you mentioned Hellebuck. I mean, to me, the most important guy in that dressing room, certainly that has a murky future. Uh, I think it's also important to make a statement to him as much as anyone else in that room that they are committed to winning because like, I can tell you right now, I mean, we'll find out what he and his agent think when they start talking about a potential extension. If he doesn't think that this team is committed to winning and they do, they put themselves in a good spot. The West is as wide open as we've probably ever seen, certainly as long as he's been here. I'm not sure that sends a great message to the team or especially a player that you need to have buying in and believing what you're doing if you don't give your best shot to improve come playoff time. I'm sure that'll end up in uh, some of your writings before the 3rd of March. Uh, A lot of intrigue about this team heading into the deadline. Yeah, I mean, the Connor Hallibuck thought is, to me, I don't think Winnipeg is in the business of a complete teardown and rebuild, which is maybe what some fans might want, right? Or at least in 2024, let's say, heading into that, like next summer, trade all the big guys away, start from scratch. I think they're in the business of making it to the playoffs, filling that rink as often as you can and making some money out of it. So then how do you do that? Well, you can't do that without Connor Hellebuck. You need him in. And I don't think that there's any guile to him. When he says, I want, you know, I want to win a Stanley Cup. That is my only goal left. I believe him. You know what I mean? Like, I don't think he's one of those guys afraid to put his heart on his sleeve like that. So I think that Winnipeg kind of, if if he's part of their plans, which he should be because they want to win, 
Um, I, I, I think that uh, for him and for so many players' sakes, I think that the onus is on Winnipeg to show that they're willing to push in when the time comes. Marat, as always, really enjoyed our conversation. Enjoy this one tonight, and uh, we'll look forward to a big one at home against the Colorado Avalanche coming up on Friday. Have a great one, and uh, keep up the great work in the athletic. Hey, thank you. Thanks for having me, as always. At WPG Marat, if you're not following him on Twitter, and make sure you're checking out all of Marat's work in the athletic. By the way, pushing 450 in the chat today. Great turnout going into this game tonight. If you haven't already, folks, or if you've just found us, welcome to Winnipeg Sports Talk. We're here every day, 1 p.m. Hit that red subscribe button. For those of you with us here on YouTube, and um, if you're not able to join us live, when you get to YouTube afterwards, the freshest WST content will be there for you. And if you're with us on YouTube and haven't seen before, audio podcasts also available immediately after the show. So, for instance, if you're not able to catch us live, it'll be there for your drive home if you work a 9 to 5 every day. Search Winnipeg Sports Talk and subscribe wherever you get your favorite podcast. Well, we're staying on the ice, but heading to the pebble. Been looking forward to this day off today at the Scotties for Team Canada. Carrie Anderson and her Gimli rank 6-0 and so far. And been planning this conversation with Reed Carruthers today because Reed's, of course, coaching Team Anderson at the Scotties and also getting ready to skip his Princess Auto squad coming up at the Briar as one of the wild cards in about 10 days from now. So we're going to head to Kamloops in just a second. Before we do that, of course, whenever we talk curling here on the program, we do it for our friends at Princess Auto, proud sponsors of Team Carruthers and Team Jennifer Jones, who's authoring a great Scotty so far as well. And uh, the sponsors of the Big Players Cup coming up in Toronto in early April, where uh, we might actually make a visit to that one. Looking forward to potentially doing that. Of course, Princess Auto, proud sponsors of Manitoba's top curlers, curling from coast to coast, as well as the Winnipeg Blue Bombers and Winnipeg Gold Eyes and Win- Winnipeg Sports Talk. Pop by and see him at one of two Winnipeg locations, Portage Avenue West and Panit Road. The spot for the best prices on all sorts of tools and equipment to make your next project come true. You can always shop online 24-7, 365 over at princessauto.com. If you need some hydration, like our pal Kenny Weeb, you know where to go. Culligan Water, the family-owned business over 65 years doing it here in Winnipeg, hydrating Winnipeg and southern Manitoba with everything you and your family could need. Water softeners, filters, bottled water coolers, whole home systems, drinking water systems, and citywide water delivery services, not to mention commercial and industrial water products and solutions. What you need, they've got it. Pop down and see them. 1200 Sargent Avenue, 694-5180. And you can always check them out online at Drink culligan.com and just before we head out west to hook up with reed carruthers don't forget bomber season is just around the corner had a great conversation with kenny lawler for you bomber fans if you missed yesterday's show go back to the podcast or youtube and check it out just getting me excited to get back to ig field watch the bombers try and get back on top of the canadian football league and cheers a few canadian club and ginger ales with bomber fans at ig field or maybe a couple Ryan Cokes, CC and Cokes, over at the Rum Hut in the North End Zone. Of course, Canadian Club, Canada's favorite Canadian whiskey, official spirit of the Winnipeg Blue Bombers, available at IG Field. 
Make sure to check it out and pick it up on your next visit to your local Manitoba Liquor Mart. All right, to Kamloops we go. Reed Carruthers for the latest on the Scotties and the upcoming Briar. Coach Carruthers to start off the interview out in Kamloops is the Kerry Einerson rink who Reed is coaching is uh, having a hell of a week so far. What's going on, dude? How are you? Yeah, I'm good. I'm doing well. This is our off day, so we got practice. But uh, yeah, the ladies are 6-0 and so far. So um, I managed to keep my position. Hopefully I, uh, I'm still the coach at the end of the week. <laughs> well, I have to say, I mean, uh, I, well... I don't want to d- dismiss the the role of coaching, um, but you got a pretty good squad to be coaching. I mean, it just seems like uh, wins and Team Einerson are synonymous with, you, with each other at the Scotties. And uh, man, six and zero through the start, it couldn't have gone much better, I'd imagine. Yeah, no, it's it's been it's been really cool since I joined them last year. Like right before the Scotties, there wasn't much time for me to prep uh, with the team heading into that national championship. Uh, which is kind of a unique situation, and you know, here I am a year later back at the at the nationals with them, and and yeah, they're cruising right now. We've been working hard leading up to this event. You know, it's obvious obviously was a focal point, um, you know, of our season of our schedule, and uh, yeah, they're they're playing great. Now uh, I'll just fill folks in. I mean, you're a little bundled up right now. It's somewhat chilly in your room when we may have a visitor at some point in the next few yeah. minutes what <laughs> Kamloops yeah. is usually pretty warm yeah Kamloops normally is pretty warm uh we're in a bit of a cold streak here and for whatever reason the thermostat in my room in the middle of the night it busted so I woke up and I think it was around 15 degrees in my room so I had to put a toque on just to walk around uh well uh, and this of course you got a big event coming up for uh, for your squad uh beginning next week but um we'll, we'll stay on the Scotties uh, from all accounts going into this event um Kerry was certainly the team to beat however the talent as this expanded field continues to develop was um arguably the best of all time I mean tell us what the first few days have been like not necessarily as the coach of team Einerson but just watching all these incredible Canadian teams go at it yeah, there's there's a bunch of really good teams at this event. Obviously, um, especially at the format of of them, you know, having the wild card setups where you're you know you're you're taking the top ranked teams on the tour that did not win their provincial championship. So it makes the strength of the field very difficult. You know, Team Canada, the repeat champion. So yeah, it's it's a very difficult field and and i think there's been some absolute burner games so far um you know when we're not on the draw we're definitely turning on on tsn and watching some of the games because uh yeah it's been it's been fiery out here these uh these ladies all want to win it really bad well i mean of course carrie has been representing as canada for the last few years but i mean what can you say about the the talent on the women's side of manitoba curling right now with four teams in this event. Oh, it's crazy. Yeah, absolutely crazy. Like they could they could run, you know, this this almost like the pre-Scotties in in Manitoba before coming to this event. Um, you know, the teams that are, you know, coming out of Manitoba are so strong. So, uh yeah, it'll give it'll give uh, you know, our, our Manitoba fans like a real good chance to have at least someone from our province in the final with with how depth uh, how the depth of field is. Well, uh, tell us a little bit more about Team Einerson. I mean, of course, we had Carrie on, um, you know, after winning her uh, last Scotties. And, uh, I mean, she seems like she's got ice in her veins when uh, when it, 
when she needs it. But this team has grown into, I mean, a dynasty really in Canadian women's curling. And going into this year, Reed, there was so much turnover on both the men's and women's sides, except on Team Einerson. I guess it's somewhat, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. Um, Tell us about the focus of the women going into this event, trying to make it an incredible four national championships in a row. Yeah, like, I, you know, for us, like, it's obviously a big goal to to obviously win again and have the chance to don the maple leaf at the Worlds and go and win the gold this time. Like, I know they're really, you know, hungry for the opportunity to, to go and do that. We've been working really hard leading up to this event and, you know, pound for pound at each position on this team, you know, this team is so strong. Um, there isn't a whole lot of holes, but the... The real interesting thing about working with this team is they're just, they're so hungry. They want to keep learning. Uh, it keeps me on my toes because, like, I have to be prepared every single practice that I come to um, to just feed feed them, feed the beast because, like, they just want to, like, go, go, learn, learn. What do we do next? So um, it's fun. It's, it's a lot of fun for me, uh, and I feel like, you know, I'm, I'm helping get them to where they want to go, but what's really fascinating with it is, I've been telling a lot of people this is like working with them. I, I take so many things back to my own team because like, I feel like we're learning from each other. Um, they're absolute pros. They're great people to be around, but uh, you know, we're, we're both making each other better. Well, you know, it's funny you say that because I was actually going to ask you about that. I mean, uh, you know, iron sharpens iron, as they say. And, I mean, you're with, um, you know, arguably the best team on the planet, certainly on the women's side. What's the role of coach? Um, How different is it from being a skip with your normal team to working with an established skip? And, obviously, I mean, the pairing and the connection between Carrie and Val on that end is something special, and the, the results speak for themselves. Yeah, for sure. You know, like the team of skips when they first put this thing together and what i find really cool is they've all done a fantastic job of like playing their specific position um carrie is without a doubt the leader um you know and the girls feed off of her and they've all like that's a tip of the hat to all of them for you know you know just embracing their role and their position and you know especially for val too because like what i found with being third is it's very hard when you're used to being in control to have a little bit of control. It's almost easier to just go from like skip to playing second or lead because it's just a completely different position. So, you know, she's done a fantastic job of being like that go-to for carry when she needs it. And, uh, you know, my role as a, as a coach is it's kind of unique. Like I, you know, I'm in charge of doing a lot of the planning, the prepping, um, you know, thinking on the areas that we need to work on. So, you know, there's some facilitating, you know, finding resources for sports psychology and and whatnot uh, to do off the ice. But then when we're actually on the ice and I'm behind the bench, I'm almost, I almost treat it like I'm out there and I'm trying to read the ice as if I was still skipping myself. So I help carry with, you know, where the broom needs to go, spots on the ice, um, as well as what I'm seeing, like, technical-wise with each of the girls as they're throwing. So I'm trying to, like, help them all throw similar so Carrie's job becomes easier. And then when Carrie needs some help with some strategy, I'm, you know, doing my best to be there for her as well. What is it about Carrie Anderson that kind of separates her in the big moments, in the big games from an incredible field of talent? Yeah, like, I just think she's she's 
she's an absolute warrior. Like she just goes for it. Um, you know, there's there's times where, you know, she just goes into this robot mode where she just goes and she'll call anything and just make it without even thinking. And then the game's over and it's like, holy, that was a big win. And it's like, yeah, like you literally just called some insane shots and threw it perfect. Um, and her line calling is really good too. But yeah, it's, it's, it's fascinating working with her. It's like, it's, it's inspiring because she's just, uh, she's a little firecracker out there like it's she brings so much energy you know those little mini fist pumps and whatnot like you know i i'm feeling it uh just watching her play she's a lot of fun to watch you know one of the other thing that really stands out you know spending quite a few hours watching this event and watching their team over the years is that they have a connection that is that is special and you know the home and rank and some of the other rinks that have been together for a long time you get that but i mean you're around them on a daily basis i mean even away from the rink how would you how would you describe the connection that those women have together and how that makes them the the team that they are and the team to beat yeah i would like they're close um and that was one of the things like when i first joined the team as i noticed like they were you know they were treating it maybe too much like a business. And I, you know, I guess that comes with being at the top because like they had already won, you know, two national championships and, you know, they were one of like the top two, three teams in Canada um, at the time. And, you know, with high expectations and wanting to win so bad, um, I feel like, you know, I made sure that they realized like one of the most important things that they need to do is still act like, you know, a team and have fun with each other. So, you know, planning activities when we're not curling and spending some time in the room watching curling together, you know, sharing jokes, whatever, just to like keep the mood light um, is very important. And that's one of the things that I've been working on with them. Well, and we know how busy you and the team are this week and really appreciate you jumping on today. So we sort of planned this because this was the off day. And I'm not sure if that's strange to have an off day in the Scotties, but, you know, with how many teams are there, it'll inevitably happen. Fill us in. What's the off day for Team Einerson like um, when there's 6-0 and right now and rolling? Probably would like to yeah. keep playing, to be honest. Yeah, we would. Like, I'd, I'd prefer that we played one game today, one game tomorrow versus the uh, break today and then curl two tomorrow. But, you know, like, we're going to get to go on the ice for a little bit. Um, and then also, like, Kristen and I, our fifth, uh, will be on the ice matching the stones for the ladies for tomorrow's games. Uh, but, yeah, we'll do some scouting of the ice. Um, apparently, they sandpapered the rocks, which is going to make it curl a little bit more. Um you know, they did that last night. So I think, you know, there's a little bit of learning that needs to be done. So with not being on the ice, we'll have to make sure we're prepared for tomorrow morning. Um, uh, Reed Carruthers is with us uh, in the role of coach of the three-time defending Scotty's champions, Team Einerson, representing Canada, and obviously from, uh, from here in Manitoba. I just want you to expand a little more because I'm going to get to the upcoming Briar and uh, your Princess Auto Squad. Um but in this role right now, tell us a little bit more about sort of what you're learning. And I mean, does this help you as a skip, all this incredible experience at such a high level with such a great women's team? Oh, 100%. Um, you know, they're, they are so incredible as athletes. Um, their energy is inspiring. You know, 
the things that I talk about, it makes me think about, okay, well, I, you know, I need to do this with my team as well. Like, this is something that I, so, you know, a lot of the time I'll, I'll spend talking to my own coach on, on the men's team, Rob Meekin, and I'll be texting him, hey, look, like, you know, we need to do this. And even like the finer things, like our pregame practice, how I approach it here is, you know, I'll be doing the same with my team or even making little fine tweaks to try to make it a little bit better. So, yeah, it's it's fun. It's, it's feel I feel like I'm constantly learning learning um uh from them and and enjoying the experience and you know when i when i go back to my men's team i find after you know being around uh the ladies it like it it gets me real fired up to get on the ice with the guys and go out there and have some fun uh reed just before we move on to uh, the upcoming briar um, i mentioned all those great manitoba teams you had a real i mean the, the tightest game carry and uh, her team has had all event has been uh i mean just a dog fight with caitlin law's team uh maybe just a quick comment on uh, the law's rink and uh jen jones and uh, the young guns continue to you know be competitive they had that big win over holman and are right in the mix as well yeah no there's some fantastic teams you well know, laws team you know they've they've had an interesting year because they've you know, I think that's three people on the team that have been or were pregnant at, at one point or the other. So they've had some turmoil or turnover as the season has gone gone on with like who's on the ice and who isn't on the ice. Um, but yeah, they're s- such talented athletes, and I think like you know over the next four years, our teams are going to battle uh, a lot, um, whether it's in the Manitoba Provincials or if it's at the Scotties. Um, you know, both teams, it's it's going to be a dogfight pretty much every time we play that team. And then you look at Jen and what she's doing with uh, her team of uh, also young, talented athletes, you know, a much younger team. Um, but, yeah, it's been it's been fun to kind of watch to see how that team has done this year. And, you know, Jen is out there being Jen right now at the Scotties. You know, she's she's won some big games and, and she's got her team in the mix. Well, I'll and tell then, you what. Sorry, go yeah, ahead. Like, well, there's there's one last team like that that's here competing right now and playing against Rachel Holman and giving her a game is that's the Walter team. So, yeah, like we could go on and on about how talented the the female athletes in in Manitoba are because there's there's a ton of them. Well, there's certainly a lot of talent on the men's side as well, and we're going to see it at the at the Briar coming up in a couple weeks. And uh, this is probably. I mean, the most exciting time of the year for you, both as a coach and a player, um, but there's a lot to do right now. You're going to finish up this event on the weekend, and then what for you? Um, fill us in on the schedule for you as the skip yeah. of Team Carruthers and the Princess Auto Squad going to the Briar yeah. and trying to raise a trophy. Yeah, no, and that's a very important job for me, you know, um, is is being the skip of of that team and uh getting the most out of out of my guys i i've got a real good coach back home who's uh been practicing with my team uh and then our lead for the briar his name's rob gordon he's he's out here cheering on kristen mccush who's team laws's lead uh so him and i are going to be throwing over the next uh three four days at one of the local clubs here uh so you know we'll be throwing and getting used to each other um our throws you know i need to learn how to properly ice the broom for him and as well as you know he needs to see my release he needs to see how i throw draws and you know ice reading so so there's a bunch of things that uh are leading up uh to the briar i I leave wednesday uh so i'm home for you know basically 48 hours and then off i go to the briar 
quick little bit of dad duty and then uh, right back out on the grind trying to uh, to win it. It's been a weird season, I'd imagine. I mean, I remember sitting down with you guys at Princess Auto at the beginning of the season. Um, obviously, it didn't go as planned with uh, with Gunner and Jason Gunlickson left the squad. Um, Bill, people in that might not be aware, you guys have been a different squad, a pretty nice add-on for the Grand Slams with Brad Jacobs coming on. But um, you just mentioned the new addition to your squad. I mean, there has been a lot of uh, um, uh, GMing, if you will, when it comes to yeah. this club as well as playing. Yeah, there has been. But you know what? Like, I feel like, you know, the core of this team is throwing the rock really well right now. And I feel like our unity is strong. Um, you know, we've come out of some of the turmoil that we had you know, at the mid part of our season. And we had a really strong showing at the provincials. Uh, like you said, Brad, Brad joined our team for the Grand Slam tour uh, for, for three slams this year. So we played one with him, had a lot of fun. Chemistry was great. And then we're, we're curling two more with him at the end of the year. Princess Auto Players Championship in April, uh, as well as the last Grand Slam in May. So, uh, for us, we have some we have some fun events to look forward to. You know, the Briar around the corner here, and uh, obviously the Princess Auto Players is one of the biggest ones, the most important ones for for us as a uh, as as a, as a team. So I'm really looking forward to having Brad back out on the ice with us and and trying to rip it up. How did you make that happen? I mean, you usually don't have a guy with the resume like that just sitting on the sidelines, available for a top end team like yourself. Yeah, like him and I are buddies, so it's one of those things that I know, like from him, he's been playing mixed doubles with Kerry, so I've had that little mini connection of like talking to him about, you know, him curling with her, and I know that he's been, you know, really chomping at the bit, and he's really enjoyed the mixed doubles and kind of keeping his foot in the door. So when I gave that call to him, it was just a matter of like, hey, can I pull this off? Because he was he was excited at the opportunity. It's it's interesting, like as a as a real competitive athlete and someone that's like at the pinnacle of the sport to be sitting there watching is almost harder than being out there and competing. Because like, you know, I know that you know, the age he is and, you know, how well he's throwing it. He knows that he's in his prime. So he's, you know, he's probably been sitting there watching some of the other teams thinking, hey, like, I want to go out there and whoop these guys' butts. So, um, you know, I, I think he got a little bit hungry. And when I gave him the call, he was excited to get out there. So it, it's worked out perfect for us because we had a, we obviously had a big gap to fill. Well, it, it won't be uh, Brad Jacobs with you guys at the Briar, obviously, uh, being a Manitoba squad, but um, we'll look forward to those Grand Slam events. But first things first, uh, back to the coaching hat. Um, two more games tomorrow. Kerry has already clinched a spot in the playoffs. I mean, uh, what is the, uh, what's the focus on finishing strong and getting ready to uh, take advantage of what they've earned through the round robin once, uh, once it really counts in the playoffs? Yeah, and you know what? Like, we have an opportunity to finish first in our pool we've we've guaranteed the playoffs which is big but finishing first in our pool and winning the next two games would guarantee us the uh hammer in some of our playoff games and you know to have the hammer uh is obviously an advantage um statistically wise you know you win more often than not when you start the game with the hammer so you know there's a little bit of that mental edge knowing hey look like we haven't lost a game you know we're playing well uh you know come get us kind of thing you know that's that's the kind of feeling that we we would have uh, going into the playoffs. So I want our, some of our best games to uh, be our next two. Well, I can tell you what, I uh, 
there, we've been talking about it all week long, and you hear it in the chat when we start talking about the Scotties. Um, I don't think it could finish any better than Carrie and Jen going at it one more time for uh, for a national championship. Still a lot of work to be done on both sides, but uh, wish uh, wish the team well. Hopefully we can have a repeat performance of Carrie on the program talking about another championship, and uh, hopefully we can hook up in the next couple of weeks as you and the boys try and do your thing at the Briar. Yeah, thanks very much for having me on, buddy. I'm looking forward to chatting with you again, and hopefully it's because uh, we're kicking some major butt at the Briar. All right, great stuff with Reed, Man, I'm excited for the Briar. And uh, listen, for anyone that's paying, paying attention to the Scotties, this weekend is going to be amazing with four Manitoba teams. I think it's a very good chance that three Manitoba teams, Caitlin Laws, Jennifer Jones, and Carrie Anderson, will all be playing come playoff time this weekend out in Kamloops. Bobby B, hang tight. You're definitely not blocked by us in the chat. Um, Just before we do that, huge thanks to our friends at Little Brown Jug for their great support of Winnipeg Sports Talk. Little Brown Jug is Winnipeg's favorite local beer. Pick up a 1919 on tap at fine bars and restaurants that serve it. Pop down and see them at the Tap Room on William Avenue or grab that Good Times Variety Pack, some of the other Little Brown Jug favorites, and the flagship 1919 at fine beer stores wherever they sell good beer. And don't forget, March 29th, Little Brown Jug in the evening, our second ever Winnipeg Sports Talk Sports Trivia Night. I'm putting together some banger questions for you. Um, everyone that was there, I think, last time had a great time. We'll let you know probably in the next week about ticket availability. Um, and again, essentially, a ticket just confirms your spot, gets you a beer. And um, we'll make sure that everyone has a spot. We'll pack in as many as we can. We'll get some great prizes for the event as well. Littlebrownjug.ca, of course, if you do want to order Little Brown Jug online. And hey, if you're looking to mix it up from uh, maybe your usual fast food burgers and you have not tried the new Flamethrower Burger at DQ, the Stack Burger, what are you waiting for? Pop by one of the four Nick and Nicky DQs and try it out today along with the five other amazing Stack Burger offerings. And while you're at it, maybe jump on one of those blizzards. Four Nick and Nicky DQs. DQ Neverville, DQ Northgate, DQ Polo Park, and DQ St. Anne's. And if you do want to order a blizzard cake or ice cream cake for a little party or an event you've got coming up, you can always hit them up on Instagram at DQ Manitoba. Get that order in. They'll custom make it for you for a quick and easy pickup at any of the four Nick and Nicky DQs. All right, we got to get to Cool Bet Lines in a minute. Let's get Remus back in here. There has been some, some talk that Bobby B, one of our number one and most loyal supporters, who's been so kind picking stuff up on the merch site, Remo, may have accidentally blocked us in the YouTube chat. Trying to talk to Bobby B, but I don't think he can see these messages. He says he hasn't seen our chats for two days. He must have accidentally blocked us. I emailed him. Um, this is the kind of support that we offer, Hus, where I can do one-on-one -on -one exactly. technical support with Bobby B, and I'll walk him through how to unblock Winnipeg Sport. Why are you blocking us, Bobby CTO B? CTO of the people right yeah. here. We may not have a massive staff, but we do it for the people. And Actually, I did mean to mention a public thanks to Bobby for uh, – uh, picking up a bunch of stuff from the Winnipeg Sports Talk store. Uh, and by the way, maybe you didn't know that we had it. Check out the website, winnipegsportstalk.com slash store. 
A bunch of great offerings for you if you want to rep WST. Uh, it helps us out big time. And uh, as much as, you know, the purchase is great, just seeing it out around town is huge as well. Um, and, of course, if you want to win one of those hoodies, we're looking to make another purchase. We're just working on a sponsor for another big shipment. Um, so we will get on that, but we will have another marble race on Friday before that big Jets avalanche game uh, game coming up tonight. Um, Remo, before we get to the Cool Bet lines, and I do, by the way, have an exclusive for the Jets game tonight that's up at Cool Bet. Uh, we've got a little bit of CFL news today. Um, and I'm not surprised that MBT, McLeod Bethel-Thompson, wasn't going back to the Toronto Argonauts. But I am a little bit surprised that he's going to the USFL, not even the uh, XFL. Sounds like he still is has his uh, eyes set on an NFL opportunity and apparently feels that the New Orleans Breakers playing four-down football is going to give him that best shot. Yeah, he had a big uh, Twitter thread about wanting to go. I think the number one reason was he wanted to be close to his family. Um, that's what it seemed like from his Twitter thread, but pretty crazy. You know, he was, you know, they call him the Grey Cup winning quarterback. I guess he was, did start the game. I never thought, he, you know, I thought he was a pretty inconsistent player. I mean, they did make the Grey Cup, but it was Chad Kelly who came in and made uh, the key plays for them at the end when he got hurt. Still bent about that. Sorry. But, uh, yeah, like I don't really see him as an NFL guy, but I don't blame him for wanting to go close to his family. I think, you know, there's two leagues right now, XFL and USFL. We'll see how they go. They've been trying to do this so many years. Like, we had XFL before, a couple times, AAF. I'm an was, XFL guy, not there USFL, USFL guy. Wasn't there other leagues? Ah, there's keep... been some other things. And through the pandemic, it was weird. Like, one of them just played in one spot with no fans. Um, now we'll see. I mean, The Rock bought the XFL. We actually, we weren't going to do a lock shop tomorrow night, but we are going to because there's 10 games in the NHL and an XFL Thursday nighter. So There's XFL Thursday? There's an XFL Thursday I nighter. I don't know if it's going to be on TV in Canada or not, but there is a game. It's not on um, TSN Plus Plus. Are you on that? <laughs> I don't even know what that is. I, I don't either. I've got the five channels, so I got the if five it's on channels. one of the five channels, I'll, I'll, well, I probably won't watch it because there'll be 10 hockey games that are far more important, but I'll maybe lay a little wager on it at CoolBet and keep an eye on the game. Um, by the way, new lock shop today with our picks for the Honda Classic, to, which begins tomorrow uh, down in Florida as they start the Florida swing. If you're with us on YouTube, actually, you know what? I haven't done this in a little while. Let me throw in the link if you have not yet subscribed to our Lock Shop channel. It's at Lock Shop Bets. I'm going to throw it in. And um, when we get to 1,000 subs, we have $1,000 cash. We were waiting to do a big raffle uh, for, uh, for all of our subscribers. So if you haven't already, check out the YouTube channel. Hit that sub. Tell a friend about it. Um, we've been hot lately. Great hockey picks as of late. Obviously, the football season was incredible, so um, it pays to watch the lock shop. Hopefully, the golf picks come in. We had a near miss with Max Homa losing out to John Rahm last weekend and some interesting Canadian content, which is a perfect segue into our lock shop or our uh, cool bet picks for tonight. There's only three games in the National Hockey League. Um, Dallas, a massive favorite at home to the Chicago Blackhawks, who 
pretty interesting game. We thought Patrick Kane won it on a slap shot with 0.1 seconds. They said that it didn't count. They won in a shootout against the Vegas Golden Knights. Dallas, who seemingly has been losing in overtime or a shootout every time they play as of late, massive minus 478 favorite. Uh, the Calgary Flames are the team that maybe is the most desperate right now to get above the playoff line in the West of those nine teams that are sort of in the mix. They're four back in Minnesota. They're minus 221 favorites tonight in Arizona against the Coyotes. Remo, what do you think, just without looking, what do you think the Coyotes' record at home is this year? I think I think it's better than you think. Um, how many games have they played? Are they 500? They have played 23 games at home. At Mullet Arena? Um, yeah. Do they have like 12 wins? 13, 8, and 2 at home they're, for man, the Coyotes. They're, they're, I think they're better than you think because, well, they have Vimelka, of course. I mean, he's the best goalie in the league. So yeah. does, see what a great goalie outside can do Outside of for Hellebuck, you. outside of Hellebuck. But, no, uh, yeah, Vimelka, no, Vimelka, I mean, he's he's the guy. Sorry, sorry, <laughs> Hellebuck. <laughs> Vimelka, hey, he, he is good. I mean, there's no doubt about it. I know SK loves Vimelka. I mean, listen, I kind of do too, but... You, you you begrudgingly respect a guy that stands on his head the way he's done against the Jets in the past couple of years. But yeah, the Coyotes, 13-8-2 at home. Maybe a little bit of value on the Coyotes tonight as the uh, Flames have not been very good as of late. But the big game tonight for all of us here in the peg, Winnipeg at the Islanders. Uh, when I woke up this morning, this was a pick 109 on each side. Right now, Jets, minus 105 and the Islanders a very slight home favorite at minus 111. Over-under on this game is 5.5 with this great goaltending matchup between Hellebuck and Sorokin. However, if you go to the Coolbet exclusives, we do have Hustlers exclusive for tonight's game. And I was mentioning before about Nikolai Ehlers. Ehlers has gone 10 games without a goal. He's back with Dubois and Wheeler tonight. He's back on PP1. I think Ehlers scores tonight. So I've put that into tonight's exclusive. It's a Jets win. It's over four and a half goals in the game. And Ehlers to score. If you put that in the bet builder, it's plus 450. But my guys at CoolBet have juiced it up to five to one, plus 500. So if you're feeling Nikolai Ehlers scoring tonight, the Jets to win and a total of over five or more goals Get on over to CoolBet, click on the exclusives, and hit Hustlers Exclusive at plus 500 for tonight's game. Um, I did give out a couple curling picks earlier today, Reem. And uh, I actually, I guess we've still got some time. The, uh, they're they're going to get going shortly at um, 3.30 our time. Nova Scotia, minus 120, and the Caitlin Laws Rink, parlay, plus 142. And then, actually, if you want to keep that in, I think one of the guys in our chat mentioned that if you add those two curling plays along with a Nikolai Ehlers goal, it comes out to plus 747. So all there for you at CoolBet. If you haven't used CoolBet before and you want to play, it's CoolBet.com. When you're making your first deposit, use the promo code WST for a 100% bonus up to 200 bucks. Um, and uh, get after it. I just made a nice withdrawal. Thank you, Patrick Mahomes and the Kansas City Chiefs. All those futures coming in, it made that Super Bowl weekend. Well, basically paid for some of the Super Bowl weekend when I went away, Remo. So how are you feeling about this game tonight before we wrap it up? 
I think we better see a win. Finish salvage this road trip two and two. I know we haven't really talked about the Islanders like lines, but they're missing Matthew Barzell. And I keep seeing tweets comparing. Oh, the Coyotes just announced a trade, but it's not uh, just to a get trade to announce. Just don't want to get anyone to talk. It's not uh, Ch Chikrin. It's not Chikrin. Uh, let me just see. I think it was Dyson Mayo, member of the All Food team. Uh, they acquired a fifth round pick from Vegas in exchange for Dyson Mayo. Oh, the Coyotes also acquired the contract of Shea Weber. <laughs> okay, hold on a second here. Just before Coyotes, this is a real tweet. This is a tweet. We just have we have a train to announce. This is the end of the show trade. Let's see. So Shea Weber joins. Former Jets, Andrew Ladd, and Brian Little on the Coyotes in the Coyotes LTIR lounge. Do they still have Chris Pronger and Pavel Datsuk? Is they still on there? No. Marion Hosa's contract on there? Those no, guys are done. Those guys are done. They left the lounge at the end of last season. Uh, Andrew Ladd for this year is on the LTIR. B. Litz this year and next year. Uh, and now Shea Weber. Joining the crew in the LTIR lounge. Is this six number six available? <laughs> <laughs> Somehow I don't think that will be an issue. So there you go. Coyotes was, getting a case, fifth round pick in Shea Weber for Dyson Mayo. Kevin Kowalik asked, was Coyotes cap space on the trade boards? <laughs> I don't remember. I don't think and I don't think if it was, I I think it can still be on there. I'm sure they got tons. Yeah, he uh, had been sent to the minors on February 16th. So, um, well, he's now heading probably to the Henderson Silver Knights. Uh, all right, we got to get these pods up because with an early game, I know people are going to want to uh, check out the podcast before we get going. Big show tomorrow, though. We'll wrap the road trip um, and we'll talk more about the Jets with one of our favorites. Travis Yost is going to come on tomorrow. We'll also have uh, Rowicki with his thoughts heading into this big homestand on Friday night against the uh, Colorado Avalanche. Then Kenny on Friday. We've got a lot of good stuff all surrounding the Jets, more on the Scotties, and everything else happening in the uh, Canadian Football League offseason as well. Things have quieted down a little bit since free agency got going a couple weeks ago. Um, huge thanks to the sponsors that make this show happen each and every day. Big thanks to JT Jamie Thomas for joining us on a game day from New York. Always enjoy Murata Tesh's contributions here to Winnipeg Sports Talk. And um, my guy, Reed Carruthers, Coach Carruthers today with Kerry Einerson's team. Um, they're off today. They're back at it tomorrow. We'll get some Jen Jones later on today. And uh, more, of course, TSN's got the Scotties throughout the week. Enjoy the game tonight, folks. Um, if you're with us live, 4 p.m. or so, I'll be jumping on with Trevor Kidd and Kelly Moore to chop it up before the game tonight on 680 CJOB. And we'll be back at it tomorrow, 1 p.m. with Winnipeg Sports Talk. And uh, don't forget the lock shop. I'm going to throw it in one more time. If you haven't subscribed already, do it. Dusty and I will fire it up at about noon our time. Usually that's our go time before Winnipeg Sports Talk every day, Monday through Friday. All right. Enjoy the game tonight. Let's go. Nikolai Ehlers goal. I'm calling it right now. We'll see you tomorrow on WST. Thanks so much. Oh, my God. Shut it down! Oh Let's go home! Thanks for tuning in to Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily. 
Make sure to subscribe on YouTube and your favorite podcast feed at winnipegsportstalk.com.